This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. This is the Fast Break Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Anderson. Alongside me, as always, is Dave Oster. And Ricky Whitmer. What's up, what's up, guys? Dave Oster is not here. It's like you can either say it really fast where no one understands what you're saying, or you have to enunciate every syllable. I'm assuming, knowing (laughs) you, that that whole intro is just going to be left in We may have a cold open. I think that's what we're going to get, because I try to do that intro maybe five times, and I could not say the word gentleman. Uh, But I wanted to make sure that I was actually pronunciating those words, and and I did. Um, We kind of glossed over the fact, too. Dave's not here. No, he's not. I've got more room? Is this the fast breakers at Superfans? Hey, don't know. there you go. Uh, I, don't I don't even know, know where, where is Dave. David at a He's wedding? in Michigan. Is so, a get this. He yeah. told me this yesterday. So, his co- I think it's his cousin. Um, they thought it was going to be a wedding. Well, they got married online. What? Yes. Online? So How? The way, the way he described it is like, so my cousin and one of our good friends are dating. Yeah. And they're kind of like, it's like they're in their own world. They're very happy together. Mm-hmm. But to the outside world, they're kind of weird people. Uh, but there are weird people. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, that's kind of like how his cousin and her fiance are. Um, like, I guess her fiance is like a radio guy and does like voice acting mm-hmm. on the radio. Yeah. They just went online and got like a certificate from oh, like so a, they were, like they weren't just random people that met online. No. Oh, no, okay. they like instead I, I of having assume this was like instead of having like this service, was a Tinder thing and they just no. got married. Instead of having the service, they went online and got married by, like, some online reverend. Right, yeah, I can't um, that. And instead of, like, the way they – Dave said the way they told people was they sent everyone, like, a YouTube video nice. of them with stuffed animals having a tea party That's... and them doing bad voices like, okay. hey, what should we do today? I don't know. Like, those kind of voices. Yeah, that's fucking so weird. So it's a little four-hour, three-hour reception. Dave's in uh, New Buffalo, Michigan right mm, now. Nice place. Um, I can say that because you can go there and Dave won't be there by the time you're hearing Bada bang. Anyways, uh, that was probably more interesting than our actual rankings are going to be. Uh, for six man, uh, that's what we're doing. We're ranking all of these six oh, men or man. probably not even the six man for all 30 teams. These are our estimates for the six man, but we know everyone's going to get upset that we didn't put, you know, mm-hmm. X player for the fucking X team. Like, oh, yeah, we didn't we didn't put uh, Trevor Ariza for the Sacramento Kings and fucking Kings fans are going to have a hissy fit because we didn't use fucking Trevor Ariza. I just had this thought right now on the podcast. Yeah, go ahead. Next year, Cancel should we just call it the bench? Like, we'll just rank the bench. No, because of every it's team. so much. Like, we we couldn't <laughs> the even depth of do every team. Thirty players. We we were just like fuck this for thirty players. Mm-hmm. It was so awful to do these rankings. Yeah, and and it's gonna be good. Well, we're gonna we're gonna make a great segment. Dave out of it. originally you know, had it, Lou but. Williams and then bunch of nobodies. And it's it's that's not fair because there are a lot of well known names here, mm-hmm. but it's just like who cares? And we're we're gonna talk about it in the segment about like what we actually did to rank these guys. But mm-hmm. this this was an ordeal, and I can't wait for coaches. Um, but anyways, <laughs> we're gonna do starting third, not starting. Uh, we'll do uh, six men for each and every uh, NBA team, one through thirty. We'll break it up in three segments: twenty one through thirty, eleven through twenty, and one through ten. Before we do that, though, check out Patreon.com/slash Mostly podcast if you want to come on and suggest a topic and talk about that topic you can join the gold tier on patreon.com slash most podcast 
Or if you want to join our Discord, you can join the bronze tier. Or if you just want to join the Discord and suggest some topics for us at the silver tier, you can do that at patreon.com slash most valuable podcast. But Ricky, let's go through this. I will give Dave's rankings for 21 through 30. You'll give your rankings for 21 through 30. I'll give my rankings for 21 through 30. And then you'll give the cumulative yeah. 21 through 30. Dave's got to go rankings. first this time because uh, it's just you and me here, mm-hmm. not Dave to give his. Dave will go first. And as Dave, Dave had Isaiah <laughs> Thomas at 30. At 29, he had Jacob Evans. At 28, he had Josh Okogi. At 27, he had George Hill. At 26, he had Austin Rivers. At 25, he had Malik Monk. At 24, he had Royce O'Neal. I think uh, Royce to 5'9". I think mm-hmm. that's a that's a hip-hop artist. Uh, 23, James Ennis. 22, Jabari Parker. And at 21, Rodney Hood. Ricky, give your rankings. Royce to 5'9 is a hip-hop artist. He did a, uh, I've so been listening cool. to a song with uh, Eminem. Um, but mine starting at 30, Jacob Evans. You guys said it wrong. Jacob Evans the third, then Royce O'Neal, or Royce to 5'9", however you want to call him. Royce to 6'6", um, O'Neal. The 6'6", O'Neal. Um, James Ennis, Isaiah Thomas at 27. Ennis was at 28. Um, 26, George Hill. 25, the lesser Curry, Seth Curry. Um, 24, the moist one, Malik Monk. Mikhail Bridges at 23. Fred Van Vliet. Illinois native, shout out to Rockford, and then Austin Rivers at 21. All right, and then at 30 for me, I have Jacob uh, Jacob Evans, the third of the Golden State Warriors. 29, I have Malik Monk of the Charlotte Hornets. At 28, I have Isaiah Thomas, now of the Washington Wizards. At 27, I have Josh Okogie of the Minnesota Timberwolves. At 26, I have James Ennis of the Philadelphia 76ers. At 25, I have Jabari Parker, now of the Atlanta Hawks. At 24, I have George Hill of the Milwaukee Bucks. At 23, I have Jay Crowder now of the Memphis Grizzlies. Shout out to uh, Austin, right? Austin's one of the uh, more vocal Grizzly fans that have, we yes. have, I think. Nick, too. Nick, yes, as well. Uh, at 22, we have Austin Rivers of the Houston Rockets. And at 21, we have Royce, and I uh, just found out his Twitter handle, Royce Buckets O'Neal 00. So shout out Hell to yeah. Buckets O'Neal uh, <laughs> at uh, 21 of the Utah Jazz. Ricky, give us a cumulative. So our cumulative, I was almost, I'll be completely honest, I'm not used to it. So I'm like, ooh, I'm ready to get into this, but mm-hmm. I got to give the cumulative. At 30, Jacob Evans the third, 29, Isaiah Thomas, 28, the moist one, Malik Monk, 27, James Ennis, 26, George Hill, 25, Buckets O'Neal. Then at 24, Josh Akogi, 23, Austin Rivers, 22, Seth Curry, 21, Jabari Parker. All right, and let's start off in Minnesota because I, I got a question for you, Ricky, because we have jo- uh, Josh Akogi at 24, and I, I love him, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Georgia Tech kid, uh, you know, super athletic, a uh, lot of energy for this Minnesota Timberwolves team. I had him at 27. You, uh, Dave had him at 28. You had him the highest at uh, 17. Pretty high ranking for Josh Okogie. What do mm-hmm. you see out of him that you're putting him that high? I mean, to me, it's, and this is what we should probably get into before we get into the actual mm-hmm. discussion of how the hell do you rank these guys? Yeah. Because in my mind, I was thinking this could be either the easiest rankings you ever do. Like if you're the guy that's just sitting there going, well, you're the sixth man, score me points. All right, put them in points per game. But then you also got to think about what team are they on? There's some guys we're going to talk about in these rankings where it's like, yeah, he's only going to put up eight points per game, but they don't really need that scoring because they get it from this guy in the second unit. So, hey, we're going to need his defense here. To where with a Kogi, the main thing that I looked at with him is with this Timberwolves team, with a guy coming off the bench, especially we talk about the point guard position being so just barren for the Timberwolves. 
I just think he's going to have more opportunities this year mm-hmm. to show himself. And if he's not like this is more of a projection ranking because yeah. he's not a rookie, but kind of is because he didn't really in started my mind four games last year started fifty four, but I feel like training wheels can now come off a little yeah. bit. And it's more of a what I hope to see out of him with the mm-hmm. T Wolves, especially the T Wolves team now that it's like Jimmy Butler's been gone. Really, this year we're just looking at Wiggins and Cat, and who else can step up for him? Yeah, you you do have Rocco and, and Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, there was a debate too for this six man whether to put uh, their new signing Shabazz Napier uh, mm-hmm. as their six man. You could also make a case for uh, another new signing in Noah Vonley. I'd make the argument for Naz Reed, but I got shut down. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I mean this team is you know they've got some players. They're not super thin on the on the bench mm-hmm. um, that I, I'm definitely inter- interested in watching. And I understand your your thought process of. All right, this team really wasn't set last year. Um, they didn't really add a point guard, per se, to really help them. They're still going to be rolling out there with uh, Jeff Teague. Mm-hmm. But I, I do like Akogi's energy, and I do like his defensive hustle. But I don't think he's proven enough to me yet that he can go out there and, and be a guy that you know dominates second units or does bring something that is you know game-changing to this Timberwolves team. Mm-hmm. He definitely does bring something else to this team because Jared Culver is more of a skilled defender and a skilled scorer, where I, I do see a Kogi more as that you know brutal athleticism, going to attack the rim, going to try to use his speed to get to the bucket, and he's going to do the same thing as well. Uh, defensively, he's going to get in your face. He's going to be hustling. He's going to try to force the ball away from you force some turnovers and, and push the ball up ahead. Um, and, and I do like that from a Kogi. I just haven't seen efficiency from him yet. I haven't seen consistency mm-hmm. from him yet. And yes, he was forced into a starting role after Rocco got injured. So maybe going to the bench and more knowing his role would help him. But he was a guy that wasn't even getting consistent minutes. So I, I'm not ready to put him up there yet. Do I think he can? And, and could you project him possibly to have a great year? Yes, but I, I don't know if I'm fully ready to give him uh, that love just yet. Well, it's just what are the Teebles going to do also? Like, mm-hmm. I'll be honest, Jeff Teague is old to me, and it's like, why didn't you? Like, I thought they would be one in the draft to add a Kobe White, to add a um, Darius Garland, like trade yeah. up or draft one where they were. And it's like Shabazz Napier, it's like, we're not talking about UConn, Shabazz Napier. Like, Shabazz Napier to me has been, ever since he's been in the league, it's like, all right, he's an okay second point guard, but hey, if I got a better option at that second point guard, I'm going to go with that. And the one thing I'm interested in to see, not necessarily one's going to start over the other with Culver and Akogi, but could we see the T-Wolves roll out, roll out a lineup that has maybe a Kogi at the one and Culver Mm-mm. at the two? No. Like, just in uh, certain uh, situations. Uh, it, no, a Kogi is not a guy who can ball handle. Um, he is not a, a guy or that can lead. I wouldn't what, be shocked. Culver, you, at the, Culver at the one, maybe? I, I don't think you're going to see any, either of those guys at the one. They signed Shabazzny Pierre mm-hmm. for a reason. Um, it was uh, uh, Tyus Jones off the bench last year, uh, but he went to Memphis, I believe. Yeah. Um, I, I think their ones are Baz and, and, and going to be uh, and, and Jeff Teague. I, I don't see a Kogi as a, a, a you know a, a primary playmaker and a primary one. Mm-hmm. And while Culver is definitely going to have shots to bring up the ball and possibly run the offense because he did that in college and did yeah. it fairly success- successfully, I, I don't think he's ever going to be a, a main one on a team. Um, maybe you see Culver at the one at some points, but 
Uh, I don't think it's going to be anything that's, you know, that has, that it is his position. I think we're probably going to see him mostly at the two and three. Um, Okogi, though, I mean, if he wants to prove himself, that that's fine. But, you know, with guys like George Hill, who George Hill definitely had a down year, um, was still very impactful to a playoff team mm-hmm. like the Milwaukee Bucks or, or Royce O'Neal, too. He's finally going to get more consistent minutes, uh, not having to play behind Derek Favors and then Joe Ingles as well. He's going to get more minutes, and he was a guy that can hit from the outside and can play significant defense for a playoff team as well. Same with James Ennis. So I, I put Okogi a little bit lower because the guys that he's above, Isaiah Thomas, you know, a guy who's going to play for Washington and not going to be making significant impact, also has been bad in the past two years. Well, I, I don't gonna... really trust him. And then Malik Monk, too, another guy on a non-playoff team that's not good and hasn't been getting consistent minutes. Um, he has potential, but I, I don't really trust him, and he's definitely someone who needs to prove it. And Jacob Evans hasn't gotten minutes. We really haven't seen fully Jacob Evans. He's going to be on a playoff mm-hmm. team, but I think if we're saying who's going to make more impact, it's going to be a Kogi over Evans. But the other guys like James Ennis, who's made an impact on that Sixers bench, uh, George Hill has made an impact on that Bucks bench, Jay Crowder as well, Austin Rivers, those guys are going to be at least making more impact and have made more mm-hmm. impact over their career. So Kogi, he does need to prove it for me, and I don't know if I can project him that high this year. Well, and you mentioned the guy that I was going to actually mm-hmm. ask you about later about bringing up now is Isaiah Thomas, because yep. Dave brought up just last night when me and him after we did super fans was how high we were on Isaiah Thomas yep. in the six man rankings last year where I think I was the lowest on him. I had him at 12 and then you and Dave both had him. You had him at six. Dave had him top five, six man mm-hmm. coming in. It's like he yeah, ended up at seven. It's like, which kind of an Isaiah Thomas are we going to see? Are we ever going to see? The Isaiah Thomas we saw in Boston, probably not. Mm-hmm. But on this Wizards team that, A, isn't going to be good, it's probably going to be in the fight of that 1-2-3 pick for, like, oh, they've got the best odds at the number one pick, although they've got Bradley Beal. This could be a team where, just because of what they have, if he can be healthy, he may be able to get some solid minutes off the bench and could prove himself, but at the same time, you're saying prove yourself is like a so Ricky. He's not really helping the team win. He's just going out there soaking up minutes and padding some stats. Yeah, Isaiah Thomas. If he was soaking up and padding stats, I'd love that. But he wasn't even doing that for Denver. He mm-hmm. wasn't fully healthy until the end of the year, and they weren't even using him. He wasn't a yeah. guy that was making an impact on that team. And you look at what he was doing in Cleveland, it was pretty much the same thing. He did get a shot mm-hmm. in L.A. where he was putting up significant minutes, but he's been a guy ever since he left Boston that he's just been absolutely lost. And mm-hmm. I, I don't trust him enough to make an impact, and I do think there's a reason. Like, if you're asking me who should start on that team, at least from you know career put out and career output, it should be Isaiah Thomas over Ish Smith. I mean, mm-hmm. look what Isaiah Thomas has been able to do, especially in Boston, but he's not fully healthy, and this isn't the same Isaiah Thomas. So I'm not really fond on putting him there because I don't know what Isaiah Thomas we're going to get. And again, it's kind of like what you know Josh Okogie needs to do is Isaiah Thomas needs to prove himself again. I don't think this is the same Isaiah Thomas that we saw in Boston. And, you know, he had a nice run there with L.A., but he was trying to earn a contract. He did and wasn't even healthy to do anything with that in Denver. So I don't trust Isaiah Thomas anymore. And can Isaiah Thomas possibly put up decent points um, on that Washington Wizards Wizards bench that's going to need some scoring? It is definitely possible, but 
I don't know how impactful those points are going to be and how impactful mm-hmm. it's going to be to the Wizards. So, like, I don't think he's going to change that Wizards team where, you know, he's he's going to help them win well, X amount of more games. I think he's just going to be out there, score some points, and, and, and that's about it, if it's anything. Ex- it's exactly like you mentioned with the Lakers. The Lakers, when he was on it, were not a, garbage. hey, was we're garbage minutes, yeah. fighting for a playoff spot. No, it was garbage minutes. And the thing I wonder is, so, yes, he wasn't completely healthy, only played in 12 games. And with how Denver used him, he only played 15 minutes or averaged 15 minutes per game. I wonder in, and this is the only reason why I'm like, okay, maybe we see a little bit of a resurgence from Isaiah Thomas. I'm not saying Boston Day's resurgence, but maybe like a how he was playing in L.A. Because it's the same kind of situation. Team's not going to be good. Maybe because he's not good, he averages because in Cleveland and LA he averaged about 26 27 minutes and if he gets that kind of or those kind of minutes could he get to 14 points a game 15 points a game like we saw in Cleveland and LA Mm -hmm. or is it just going to be he's not on the court and it's just like oh Isaiah Thomas is washed up at this point that's the thing is like I don't care about the points with him Mm -hmm. because He's a guy that's just going to take a shit ton of shots. Yeah. I mean, per 36 minutes over the past two years, he's still taking 18 shots a game, mm-hmm. but he's making six of them. He's, he's shooting 36% from the field. It so, yeah, if you look at his per 36. 13 with the Lakers. Yeah, if you look at his per 36 yeah. minutes, you know, he's putting up 20 points a game, but I don't care because he's doing it on 36.7 from the field and mm-hmm. 29% from three. This dude is not efficient anymore. And that's the thing that I, w- I would like to see from him, if anything. If he can get back up near, you know, 45% from the field and, uh, you know, near league average from three, and he's able to put up, like, you know, 12 points a game in, in, in 20 minutes, mm-hmm. I would really like that. Or or even 10. If he's doing it efficiently, efficiently, that's what I'd like to see. If he's healthy and efficient, that is the sign that, hey, maybe Isaiah Thomas can make that comeback. But he's not been efficient. So he's just literally a chucker. That's mm-hmm. all Isaiah Thomas is from now on. And, and I, you know, I'm not going to be like, oh, he's – He's phenomenal because he can chuck some balls on a shitty team. Like, well, and come on. I also look at it, too. Like, their second unit right now is Isaiah Thomas at the one, C.J. Miles at the two, um, J- uh, Jamirico Jones at the three, mm-hmm. Davis Bertans at the four, You're just making and then names Jan point. Mahimi at the five. And they even got Isaac Banga, like, who's technically the third shooting guard behind C.J. Miles to where it's like— More of a point guard, but yeah. I said all those names to where it's like, oh, well, when the second year is out there, of course Isaiah Thomas is going to be the one they lean on. And then it's going to be, how do they fit in Mo Wagner? How do they fit in— Admiral Schofield, which were two, like, Mm -hmm. Wagner coming over from that Laker trade, Schofield kind of a um, lower-drafted rookie to where what are we going to expect from him, if anything? He might get minutes just because it's the Wizards. He's going to get minutes, and no one cares because the the Wizards suck. The Wizards don't even care about the Wizards. The Wizards made, like, three editions of this I only care about two names on the Wizards this year. Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal, because where is he going to get traded to? Mm -hmm. And then Rue Hachimura. Yeah. Like, Troy Brown Jr. could nope. be a third name, but Rui is more of the, let's see what we get from him than Troy Brown. I agree with you, and that's even, you know, and that's even <laughs> leaving out Thomas Bryant, but I honestly don't care that much to mm-hmm. watch Thomas Bryant. Like, if Thomas Bryant starts putting up minutes and makes me watch, then yeah. I'm sick. But the two guys that I'm going to be mainly interested in on that team are going to be uh, the two guys that you mentioned, mm-hmm. Bradley Beal and Rui Hachimura. Like, I, Isaiah Thomas, again, it's all about efficiency for him, and maybe he can make some noise. If he is efficient, but outside of that, Isaiah Thomas hasn't been efficient uh, since he left Boston, and I, I, I really—he's just a—he's just a chucker, and another chucker who hasn't really gotten the minutes yet. 
um, is Malik Monk. Let's mm-hmm. go to him because he was a high pick for the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, this is going to be his third year now. Hasn't been getting minutes. Uh, Steve Clifford hated him in his rookie year. And then uh, James Borrego, uh, I think he increased his minutes a little bit, but still uh, hasn't gotten a, a ton of shine yet in Malik Monk or in, in, in Charlotte. Um, he's a guy that made about three field goals per game last year on eight shots. 38% from the field, uh, 33% from three, which you think would be higher, at least seeing from what he did in college, mm-hmm. uh, averaging about nine points a game. Has he been a huge disappointment or just a disappointment so far in his career? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to say a huge disappointment. And the reason being of the fact of how much hype kind of came with him, I mean, part of it is because he came from Kentucky mm-hmm. and whenever Calipari has a guy that 20 good, points a game exactly but like whenever you're good at Kentucky there's a certain like there was a hype that came out when the Harrison twins were coming out of college now mm. did we necessarily think they were going to be good NBA pros we kind of maybe assumed because it's like oh they did very good at Kentucky but the thing I look at with Malik Monk is He's kind of put himself behind the eight ball this year. And maybe it's not him putting himself. You did mention Clifford didn't like him. And when the coach doesn't want to play you, some of that might not be on you. Like Tom Thibodeau hated playing rookies. Um, So part of it might have been like, hey, I haven't gotten my chance. I just don't see him getting his chance this year because they've got Dwayne Bacon, who I think that Charlotte is very high on in their second unit. Um, Michael Kidd-Gilchrist is like, is he ever going to be – like, we were really high on him when he got drafted. Now it's kind of like we've cooled the Jets on Kid Gilchrist. They draft PJ. Can't shoot. Exactly. Horrible. But they draft PJ Washington, who, assumingly, they're high on. They Stug. drafted him early. Um, Devonta Graham also on this team, yeah. to where it's like, I just wonder if the minutes are going to be there for Monk, or will they go to a Devonta Graham? Will they put minutes no, in Bacon, I, killed Gil- Gilgris, Washington? I, will they get more minutes than Monk? No, I, Monk's probably going to get the, the majority of minutes on this team just because, you know, last year he still got, uh, I think it was, what did I say? Yeah, 17, and they that went up from four minutes mm-hmm. last year. So with the leaving of Kemba Walker, I wouldn't be shocked if he got around 22 minutes this year, um, a five-minute increase. I think he'll probably get the majority of minutes coming off the bench. And... I mean, he, he, he has been getting better, and maybe that's just because, you know, he is getting more looks. He was better from two last year, mm-hmm. uh, went up from 38.5% to 46.1%, uh, at least efficiency-wise. Like, if he's more efficient from three, then that would be nice. And, and uh, you know, playmaking's still not there for him. I, I don't know if he's ever had a true point guard enough, and Terry Rozier is not that guy to, mm-hmm. to, to help him be a true point guard um, next to him. But, you know, he didn't have a true point guard like he did in Kentucky next to De'Aaron Fox, so... Maybe Malik Monk isn't just a good fit with Charlotte so far. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing that is nice is he is only 21 years old, and he has gotten better over over his past two years. Um, but it hasn't been significant enough where I'm I'm ready to see, like, I haven't seen the Malik Monk game yet, you know? Yeah. Where Malik Monk has really stepped out of his shoes and made a name for himself yet. We still haven't seen that in the first two years, and maybe that comes this year. But I, I do think they're at least going to give him a shot because you drafted him, what, 11th overall? I mean, mm-hmm. he's a top, he's t- nearly a top 10 pick. Yeah. Um, he is bound to at least get a shot before his contract runs up because you have to see what you have in him before you just let him walk. And maybe you realize that he's not a fit for this team. But, mm-hmm. you know, you got, what, three more years left, two more years left um, on his rookie deal. So, I, I, you got to see what you have in them, and you got to give them as much minutes as possible, especially on a team that's not going to be a playoff team. Yeah, and I think you mentioned it. I was going to say it. This Hornets team is not going to be what they were last year. Last year, they just 
barely missed the playoffs and were in that thrilling race um, towards the end of the season, beginning of the playoffs. And this year, we mentioned Kemba leaving. They also have Jeremy Lamb leaving, which opens up. I mean, starters are going to soak up most of those minutes, but you've got some minutes to go around this year. And just the two questions I have about Charlotte is, one, with them being a worse team this year, being more of that team that, hey, we're looking draft pick more than we are looking towards the playoffs because also Mitch Kubchak, even last year, was like, hey, I want to move up in the draft. I want to get somebody. This could be a prime team to be looking at, hey, we're not doing so well. Let's try to tank. Let's try to get that higher odds, even though the league showed us it doesn't matter. Whoever we like, we're going to give the number one pick to Pelicans looking at you. But the other question I have is, if you have leftover minutes from the starters, who's going to get them? Malik Monk, who had 17.2 minutes last year, Mm -hmm. or Dwayne Bacon, who had 17.7 which one of these two guys are going to get the most, I, or are they going to be the exact same like they were last I, year? I think Monk is probably going to get more minutes, but if they're not the same, I wouldn't be shocked. Mm-hmm. I, I think just because, again, where he, he was selected, yeah. that's the biggest thing that's going to give to him. And and one thing that is in Monk's advantage, and it kind of goes into what I was saying with uh, the uh, you know having a true point guard on his team, um, when he was shooting from three, uh, at least catch and shoot, he was shooting 37%. He's he's his he's best in that area. He, was, he had three point one attempts uh, on catch and shoot threes last year. Um, it was about thirty nine percent of his, mm-hmm. his his threes last year were catch and shoot. He shot thirty seven percent from it. So yeah. you got to be able to get him the ball. But you know he he's not really a playmaker yet. He's not being able to find separation. And you look at him on catch. Uh, you look at him on pull ups. Twenty four point three percent from three, and then thirty three point three thirty three point seven percent on pull ups. Just in, in in from uh, from two. So. Really, what you need to do for uh, for Malik Monk is have a creator next to him, and I don't think he has that yet on the Charlotte Hornets team. So it might be another rough year, and if it is rough to start again, they might end up giving that edge to Dwayne Bacon. But at least to start, um, I, I would assume just because of his draft position, you got to give Malik Monk a little bit more of the rub. So mm-hmm. uh, we'll see what happens there. Let's go to some of these more veteran players. Uh, new team for uh, it's going to be uh, for uh, Seth Curry and Jabari Parker. Which guy do you think is going to make more impact this year? See, it's not necessarily a who I think is going to make more of an impact. It's more of a, like, I'm interested in Jabari Parker being on this Hawks team because I just, I wonder with it where when he came over to the Bulls, it was like, okay, it's kind of a prove-it contract because we kind of finagled it to where, hey, we can get out of it after a year if we want to. And with this team being so young, where it's like Trey Young is still very young. The Red Mamba is still young. Collins, what, third, fourth year, if I'm thinking correctly, because I don't have it up in front of John me. John Collins, third. Yeah, John Collins, third year. They drafted young guys like um, DeAndre Hunter to where my question is, is Jabari Parker, A, supposed to be the veteran in this locker room? I know. Um, like, is he sub- supposed to be like that Vince Carter what he was last year. Is he supposed to be the veteran in the locker room? And if he is, my question is, do you want him being that veteran in the locker room? Because, like, I'm not saying he's a cancer. It's not like what we're seeing in the NFL with A.B., but, like, this is a guy that's had quotes out there that have been like, yeah, I don't get paid to play defense. Mm -hmm. Like, is that what you want from a veteran that 
Like, is that his role on this team, or is his role on this team to be— You're asking if his role is to be the veteran. Yeah, to be the veteran of this team no. to help this young core. Um, I, I don't think it's to help this young core at all. I think if anyone was that, it was Dwayne Dedman, and I don't think mm-hmm. Jabari Parker can necessarily fill that role. It's a reason why, you know, you have the 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 veteran, the NBA veteran on this team still. They've got in, Vince Carter. And Vince Carter. And they um, also have Chandler Parsons. Okay, Vince Carter more than fucking Chandler Parsons. <laughs> Uh, but no, they do have some guys that have been around the league. Evan Turner, uh, uh, Alan Crabb, Chandler mm-hmm. Parsons. Uh, Jabari Parker's just, you know, the best player out of these guys. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, if they're looking for a, a true veteran, it's Vince Carter. Um, that's going to teach these guys how to be true, uh, true professionals. I mean, that's the guy that you know has been through it. He's been mm-hmm. a star in this league. He's been a role player on championship teams, and now he's just a guy that you know has some minutes every now and then. Uh, no, I don't think Jabari Parker's going to be a veteran leader to these guys. Um, I think he's just going to be a guy that. You're taking a shot on at six and a half million this year. Um, I think he's got a player op, a player option next year uh, to get out of it, or it's a team option. Um, but this is just a guy that now has the chance to prove himself in a market on a young team because he still is young, and they're seeing what they can get out of him. It's a player option. Yeah, and and for how much is it? Uh, six and a half. Yeah, so it's pretty much prove it year. If you prove it, hey, you know you can you can opt out go and go get, get a, go get a, yeah go get paid again. Um, but if you don't, we'll see what we got in you, and, and maybe we keep you on for six mm-hmm. and a half because it's not a killer contract. I, I just think Jabari Parker, again, is, is, is a roll of the dice here. That's why I have him at 25. I don't think he's going to make that much of an impact because mm-hmm. I don't really think he's going to fit with this team, and I think there's other guys that might even surprise us, like a Chandler Parsons or an Alan Crabb, that does more end up having more of an impact than Jabari Parker. Parker was decent with the Wizards. Um, he had his moments, but, again, he is just a guy that – can slash and attack the bucket mm-hmm. from the from the fourth position. Uh, he's not really uh, a great shooter like we've seen throughout his career, 33% uh, from three, um, but he is a guy that can get to the bucket and score. Um, he's very efficient around the rim, 61% from, uh, from two last year, mm-hmm. um, but I don't really think that fits this whole mold. And I think when you do see him out on the floor, he's going to be playing with Trey Young. He's going to be playing with Kevin Herter. He's going to probably be playing with Cam Reddish as well. And I think you're probably going to see him at the four next to John Collins, and they're probably going to allow to give him, they're going to try to give him as much space as possible. It might be a little bit diff- difficult with Collins, but Collins got a decent mid-range jumper. So I, I think you'll probably see Collins and, and Parker on the opposite sides of the floor, and you're probably going to see Parker get the most space that he can so he can drive and, and attack that mid-range game that he is very good at. But Parker, overall, I don't think he's going to have a massive impact, where I do see Seth Curry having a massive impact because you know, you don't have really a ton of great shooters on this team, mm-hmm. at least guard, or you don't have a lot of uh, great, yeah, off-ball scorers, um, at least f- uh, from deep on this Mavericks team. And I, I think that's what Seth Curry is going to provide. And next to Luka, I think he can really light it up. Well, and not even next to Luka. Like, I even think, like, even if it's Seth Curry and Jalen Brunson out there, mm-hmm. like, Brunson can get him the ball. And the big thing that goes into these six-man rankings that we didn't even talk about is, like, with Seth Curry, you look at him, and I have him at 25, and there's part of me that's like, do I have him too low? Like, the six men who move these bench players, who move to new teams, it's like, well, yeah, he only had five points over in Portland, but he had uh, Dame and CJ and Enos Cantor coming off the bench with him sometimes, even in the starting role. So it's like... How is this role going to be different? And with Jalen Brunson next to him, if they roll Brunson and Curry out there, let's say they need to give Luca a break. Brunson, I think, <laughs> he's going to play forty-eight minutes. Yeah, Brun, Brun, Brunson. Brunson. Brunson is the kind of guy where it's like, hey, you know what? 
He's going to get Seth Curry the ball. And Seth Curry, he is a Curry. He knows how to shoot. It's mm. just in their blood. So there could be games where he gets on a heater and they kind of roll with it with that second unit. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see how they end up rolling out with that point guard situation because they do have J.J. Barea as well. He's coming off a, a major injury, though. Mm-hmm. I, I think that Seth Curry can make an impact, though, on this team, whether he's playing next to Brunson, whether he's playing next to uh, Luka Doncic. I, I, I do think that he's going to make an impact, like you said, because he's just an extraordinary shooter. I think he can get hot. Mm-hmm. And if he is hot and he is a guy that you can rely on off the bench and Luka is able to play more minutes and he isn't, able, you know, he isn't getting tired uh, mm-hmm. by the 82nd game and Kristaps stays healthy, I do think this might have the makings of a sneaky playoff team. I'm not going to say for sure and certain that it will be, but I do think gotta that leave those for this the prediction, can, Sean. Yeah, I do think this team. Well, it's not a prediction yet. I think it yeah, can be a Sean's sneaky. Sean's like, I don't want to play my hand um, too early of what I may be thinking. But I, I think he does add something to this team that they really don't have because Norm Powell isn't mm-hmm. a lights out three point shooter. Where Seth Curry, I think, has been over forty percent uh, at, at times in his career. And when you do have playmaking guards and veteran guards, mm-hmm. at least in, in JJ Barea, when he is healthy, uh, you know, quick guards that do know how to work the ball around, like Jalen Brunson and Luka Doncic, who is one of the most crafty passers in the league you're going to get open shots for Seth Curry and I think he's probably going to make the most impact when it comes to uh, the guys between him and Jabari Parker well and it's also to pull the curtain back and let them kind of in on it the reason when because this was one of the teams we were kind of deciding who would be their sixth man and like you already mentioned the names I'll just say the reasoning for sure like you said go with Seth because JJ coming off of that injury and then like you said Brunston backed up Berea so it's kind of like a, hey, you know what? It kind of makes sense. This guy's coming off an injury. Brunston backed him up last year. I know it's a new year, and maybe J.J. and Brunston would have made the switch because Brunston's younger. But, I mean, the thing that is my biggest question with Seth Curry is what can he bring shooting-wise to the Mavericks? We know he can shoot, but is it going to be, hey— you're coming off the bench, you give us five, six points, or can he really up those shooting percentages playing next to, I don't want to say better players, but maybe players, like you said, that fit him better than what he had in Portland. Yeah, and and let's go to, uh, not Portland, because Portland, uh, Randy Hood's there. Uh, let's go to uh, one of these other players, and uh, you pick. Because I, I I'm kind of sick of Seth Curry. For me, about. the thing that I'm going to... Kind of just, I was going to try to go to Rodney Hood because I thought Rodney Hood was there, but Rodney yeah, Hood's in the no, next, next Rodney segment. Hood's in the next one. I want to ask you this. James Ennis, does it even matter who the sixth man for the 76ers are because of their starting lineup? Yes, because this bench was absolutely horrible last year, and that was pretty much their biggest flaw was their mm-hmm. bench. So it, it, I don't think it matters exactly who their sixth man is, but it matters how effective their bench is. Like overall as a unit. Yeah, their, their bench was garbage last year and now mm-hmm. you do have some interesting players out there um, especially to see a full season finally from uh, Zaire Smith what this team can do out there they did also add Kyle O'Quinn mm-hmm. um, James Ennis I think is going to be a table setter him and Mike Scott are going to be very important players to this team giving breaks to Joel Embiid and now Horford and making sure they do have shooting out there um, next to Ben Simmons these guys are going to be massively important so I do think that James Ennis you know, if he's able to go out there and he's able to hit shots from the outside and kind of replace or chip away from some of the stuff they lost from J.J. Reddick's outside three-point shooting ability, that's going to be very important to this team because this is a team that does 
lack from times from the ability to stretch the floor. And, and James Ennis very, does need to be a, a high-quality three-point shooter. And they've uh, got a very young bench, to too. This. Yeah, there's, there's times. And, and last year, he wasn't efficient from three. He was shooting like 30% from three uh, for Philly. But over his career, he's been near league average. So if he's able to go out there, he's able to be efficient from three, and he's able to knock down some shots for this team next to the three-general manager in, in Mike Scott. I do think that that's going to be very important because, like you said, there are some guys like Zaire Smith mm-hmm. um, or uh, Matisse Thibel that might not be able to hit those outside shot yet, but can play defense. Uh, that might that Philly might not be able to rely on at least offensively. James Ennis is going to need to at least be able to show that he can go out there and be efficient from the floor, um, like he was in Houston at times. You know what's absolutely funny about James Ennis if you look at his what? like team by team. The only teams that he he's only been on one team back to back seasons, and that was the Grizzlies from 2015 16, who he was moved to mid season from Miami and stayed with them for 2016 17. The last two years, he's been a guy that moved. He was started in Detroit, then finished in Memphis, and then last year started in Houston, played 40 games, and then finished the year in Philly. To me, this is one where it's like, I feel like James Ennis in these rankings, and I know that one of the big ones of, and we always go for him for when we need to know anything that's going on on the Sixers Pulse is our patron, Jake, but also we've got like Kyle Craig too. we got several Philly mm-hmm. fans that we can ask these things to. I know that Jake was like, oh, James Ennis is the guy. I don't think he's the guy at the end of the year. I think this is one where we see, hey, at the beginning of the year, this was the sixth man. But now at the end of the year, it's this guy. And I think we see a kind of move to end of the year this year and then going into next year, Zaire Smith mm-hmm. is the sixth man for this team. I would be shocked if Zaire is the sixth man at that, at that point. We haven't seen a ton out of Zaire yet. He isn't really super reliable at this point. And this is going to be a top four mm-hmm. playoff team. So I think you're going to need some veteran leadership off that bench. Uh, Zaire, you know, can he be something very intriguing for this team? For sure. Um, and you do look at his efficiency last year. I he mean, was hitting like 37 And I'm coming off three, the, summer but, league, the summer league hype, seeing yeah. him live with the Sixers. But it's been six games. So let's see <laughs> Let's see what he can do after, you know, a full season. And mm-hmm. can he stay healthy? And obviously he had that crazy, you know, allergy, allergic Infection. reaction or whatever um, that, 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 that hurt his time. So... I would definitely be shocked if they gave him a ton of huge minutes uh, to start, and maybe near the end he gets put into yeah, the rotation I'm more. But by the end of the year, it's nah, kind of like I a, think, hey, Zaire's the sixth man. No, I think since Ennis and Mike Scott have been there longer and have contributed more to this team, and it hasn't been a, a super vast difference mm-hmm. uh, because Ennis and, and Scott were trades last year midseason, um, I do think that they will want somebody who they can trust, who has playoff experience and has been with the team. Uh, and has gotten m- you know major minutes or not major minutes but at least key minutes mm-hmm. um, last year in their playoff run. They they need some of those guys, and I, I don't think Zaire is at that point yet. Um, but yeah, that's that's pretty much it. I don't think there's anyone else we can talk about, right? I mean, the only Come one. On. Do you really want to talk about Austin Rivers? No. Like, what is Austin Rivers? I just wanna, do? I do you just... want to talk about Royce O'Neal? Like you don't know what Royce O'Neal. You <laughs> I... just figured out who Royce O'Neal was last week. <laughs> I I just want I just want to ask you this. Does it matter? Jacob Evans, does it matter no, who the fuck, Warriors' no, six-man no. is? 
God, no. The biggest part about this, and this is probably the biggest loss. I was going to get to it in one through ten, but let's get to it now. The loss of Chandra uh, Livendala. Yeah. We, we lost the, the mm-hmm. god unit that uh-huh. was Andre Iguodala and Sean Livingston. It well, sucks that they're gone. We could put him as a six-man for Memphis. Living De- Livingston's not on the team. Yeah, but Andre Iguodala No, is. but it's Chandra yeah. Livingdala. It was the, the two-headed monster out there, and they're, <laughs> they're broken up, and I'm, I'm sad about that. Um, no, he can't live up to the hype. He's not going to do shit for this team. Um, it's literally going to be a three-man rotation for that team. It's going to be Seth. It's going to be Steph Curry, mm-hmm. uh, D'Angelo Russell, and Draymond Green, and that team's going to need to will him to the fucking playoffs. Um, but shout out to Chandra Livingdala, the goat, the goat pairing, and uh, and and Jacob Evans is going to be uh, living in the shadow. But anyways, uh, it's going to do it because I really don't want to talk yeah. about Austin Rivers. Hey, I'm fine with it. Let's move Jacob on to Evans. the next one. But let's move in 11 through 20, and, and Ricky and I are laughing because last week I said, man, we know how to waste time. And I think we said something uh, before oh. uh, before we started that, oh, this is going to be easy. This yeah. is going to be quick. And we go fucking 42 minutes. I'm the 21 through 30 guys. And that, we weren't even done. We didn't even hit all of them. No. You were like, oh, hey, let's bring up Jacob Evans. Yeah, nope, let's not. Didn't talk about George Hill. Didn't talk about Austin oh, Rivers. Let's let's keep these brief, yes. all right? Uh, 11 through 20, uh, we'll start off with Dave's ranking, then we'll go Ricky, then we'll go me, then we'll go cumulative. Starting off at 20, Dave had our boy Seth Curry. At 19, he had Jay Crowder. Shout out to the Jemphis Drizzlies. Uh, at 18, he had Thomas Sadoransky of the Chicago Bulls. He pretty low on Sad. I was pretty shocked about that yeah, one. I 17, was just as low, but I moved him up. 17, we'll go with Larry Nance Jr. from the Cleveland Cavaliers. 16, TJ Warren. Uh, criminally underranked from the Indiana Pacers. 15, Mikhail Bridges of the Phoenix Suns. 14, Kyle Kuzma of the Los Angeles Lakers. 13, Goran Dragic of the Miami Heat. Heat fans are going to be pissed off, probably where we put Dragic. 12, uh, J- they're going to be pissed off anyways. Heat fans are always pissed off at us. I don't think we've ever got a positive Heat comment. Uh, at 12, we have J.J. Redick now of the New Orleans Pelicans. And at 11, we have Marooks Morris of the New York Knicks. Ricky, 11 through 20. Heat fans will probably be happy with you, uh, as you have Goran Dragic the highest, but I won't spoil where he's at. For me, Rodney Hood's at number 20, then at 19, Larry Nance Jr. Then at 18, Jay Crowder of the Jemphis Drizzlies. Um, then Josh Akogi at 17, 16, Bogdan Bogdanovich, 15, Maruks Morris, then at number 14, Goran Dragic, 13, Jabari Parker, 12, Thomas Sadoransky, or as I like to call him, Zadarans, um, and then at 11, Dennis Schroeder. All right, my 11 through 20, starting off at 20, Mikhail Bridges of the Phoenix Suns, 19, Seth Curry of the Dallas Mavericks, 18, Rodney Hood of the Portland Trailblazers, 17, Derrick Rose of the Pistons now. Mm-hmm. Uh, 16, yep. He's been bouncing around so much. 16, Larry Nance Jr. of the Cleveland Cavaliers. 15, Terrence Ross of the Orlando Magic. Or Terrence Ross, the supernova of offense uh, uh, from the Orlando Magic. Put some Four- respect on that name, Sean. 14, J.J. Redick of the New Orleans Pelicans. 13, Kyle Kuzma of the Los Angeles Lakers. 12, Maruks Morris of the New York Knicks. And at 11, Bogdan Bogdanovich of the Sacramento Kings, a dude that is Lighting it up in uh, in the World Cup mm-hmm. uh, basketball FIBA yeah. World Cup. Now, is it FIBA? You know how Dave loves to talk about his FIBA. We got to bring up the uh, the FIBA, the Celtics. How he kept talking about how oh, they're playing yeah, in how FIBA. Oh yeah, how he's trashing the, the <laughs> FIBA World U.S. team. Yeah. Brought it up yesterday while we were out to dinner, also because we were talking about the Celtics. But our cumulatives: number twenty, Jay Crowder of the Jemphis Drizzlies; number nineteen, Rodney Hood; eighteen, Mikhail Bridges; seventeen, Larry Nance Jr. 16, Thomas Sadoransky. At 15, Maruks Morris. 
14, Goran Dragic. 13, Fred Van Vliet. I get to shout out Rockford, Illinois for the second time on this podcast. Then at 14, Yuck. Goran Dragic. Or, no, I went backwards. At 12, Kyle Kuzma. And at number 11, J.J. Redick. How many years have we been doing this? And I went down instead of four. Um, and also, uh, for those uninitiated, uh, mm. Marukes Morris is a reference to Marcus Morris, yeah. who was a wet boy. And I uh, <laughs> mis- mistakenly put the uh, the C before the R. So we got uh, Marukes. <laughs> Um, is that even correct? What? Marooks? No, oh, no I, put the, I put the U before the C, didn't I? You forgot I, the C. Yeah, no, you flipped the, yeah, you the flipped U the, the U C. and the C. Yeah, Marooks. you flipped the U and the C, so it was Marooks, Marooks Morris. Morris. Um, I thought I flipped the C and the R, and I was like, that's not Marooks, we're just stupid. No, That'd it, was be, a, uh, it was a U Mark and the C. Roos. Yeah, Mark Roos. Anyways, uh, shout out Marooks Morris. Um, let's now talk about uh, probably the guy at the top at 11, J.J. Redick. Okay. Um, I think you had him the highest, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, you day. had him the highest at 5, Dave had him at 12, I had him at 14, uh, JJ, the biggest thing that hurts him here, and, and you probably can defend it. Mm-hmm. You love three point shooting, and you I love do. points off the bench. And JJ Redick will be able to provide that for the, the Pelicans. But his defense is so bad, and I, I know that this team's going to be very they good got defensively. Lonzo. They got Lonzo, they have Drew Holiday. Um, I know this team's going to be very good defensively, but it's like he's so bad. I can't give him credit for that, right? I mean, I kind of with me, I feel like with how we set up the lineup. Like, him next to Lonzo. Lonzo, hey, play defense, get people the ball, and J.J. Redick is going to do what J.J. Redick does, and he's going to shoot threes, and he's going to be open on threes. And I can't wait to see. The big thing from this team is I wonder how much up-tempo offense are we going to see from the Pelicans because Zion's going to want to run. Lonzo's going to want to run. JJ running in, getting an open three, maybe even a trailing three. Probably not, because that's usually the big man territory that gets the trailing threes, like a Brook Lopez for the Bucks. But like, that's the big thing with this is who are like what combinations are we going to see with JJ? Is it always going to be JJ and Lonzo? Could we get a JJ Josh Hart um, pairing out there? I don't think we'll get a Nikhil Alexander Walker and JJ because neither of those two guys are pure point guards or even real point guards in my mind. Both of them are kind of shooting guards. And do we see sometimes, hey, it's Drew and JJ out there because we want to give somebody a rest from our starting lineup. JJ Redick to me is going to be able to provide shooting for this team and versatility because he can play next to nearly any of the point guards that they have. Yeah, I I just think about the guys that are ahead of him and I again I didn't put Derrick Rose ahead of him but the other guys mm-hmm. that are ahead of him not only do they provide you know offense but they do provide and it's you know Lou Williams doesn't provide defense uh but he does provide just something else to that South, mm-hmm. the Clippers team and I I was trying to make the argument that Lou Williams isn't the most important six man, but also he he's won the award like fucking four years in he's a row. He's a starter he, on the bench, but, but everyone so is fucking JJ Redick. JJ Redick should be a starter. Derrick Rose can like no, I know a no, couple no, knee injuries. No, no, no. Derrick Rose is not a starter. Derrick Rose is so overrated. I don't want to get to the Derrick Rose talk yet because it's one through ten. Kyle but Kuzma, Rudy Gay, Rudy Gay is an actual starter. Mm-hmm. Kyle Kuzma, sure. Kuzma can you could start. make an argument you for could, like a TJ Warren. Yeah, if if if. If AD wanted to play the five, mm-hmm. you could slide over AD, and yeah. Kyle Kuzma definitely fit in that starting lineup. Rudy Gay, if you wanted to knock out Bianca Pirtle, mm-hmm. put LMA at the five, and then Rudy Gay at the four, you could definitely do that. There are yeah. definitely starters on this team. Redick is definitely one of those players. But I, I look at him, and I, I just don't—he he provides 
one thing to this team, and that is shooting, and that's all he does. And he does it efficient, efficiently well. And maybe that's what he needs to be as the sixth man. His role is it's not a Marcus Smart thing of like, hey, provide defense. Mm-hmm. It's no, we need a scorer, and fucking Lonzo can't shoot. You can. Yeah. So Lonzo will get you the ball, put the ball in the basket. The guys that above him, at least like I had Kuzma above him. The reason why I had Kuzma above him is because Kuzma does provide shooting for that team, and mm-hmm. he's going to give space to AD, he's going to give space to LeBron, and he's going to be able to allow LeBron to play you know, point forward, and he's going to give a shooting around LeBron, and we know how important that is. Mm-hmm. So he's more important to that team because of the shooting that he provides, um, and he's not a massively efficient three-point shooter like J.J. Redick is. He isn't a better shooter than J.J. Redick is, but I think he is more important to that team, the Laker team. Uh, M- Marcus Morris, I think if Marcus Morris is on any other team, we'd see his impact when it comes to the playoffs. I mean, you saw it at least when he was with the Celtics, he was guarding LeBron James. He was doing you know, a great job with that, and he added a three-point shot. If he was mm-hmm. on a different team, he would be a fantastic six-man. But he went to the Knicks, followed that money, go get your bag, kid. Uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich, he's an interesting player because he's def- he could definitely be a starter, too. If you want to move Buddy to the three um, and put him in the two, that's possible, or flip that as well. He's a guy that provides ball handling and three-point shooting off that, that Kings bench that might be impactful as well because that is a possible sneaky playoff team. Thomas Sadoransky, I think, is massively underrated. He's one of the only guys with that difference we'll between— Offensive rating and defensive rating uh, that is, you know, a a massive like 124 offensive rating and like a 106 defensive rating. Mm -hmm. He's a guy that is extremely efficient. I just look at these guys and there's guys above the above that JJ Redick that I think will make more of an impact on their team. And while JJ Redick is extremely good at what he does, I do think he's an extremely limited player, and that's why I had him so low because he, he he is very good for what he is. And if you had him higher, I I would not I would not disagree with you. It all comes down to. To me, J.J. being in my top 10 is more so of a going back to what I said with, hey, these rankings could be real easy if you're looking for just points because that's what I want out of J.J. Redick off the bench is give me those points because really who else are we going to have in that second unit for the Pelicans to lead that team and take on that scoring burden JJ could be that guy from the outside. But I think, again, we talked about our guy Derek Favors. Mm-hmm. We talked about our guy uh, Zion Williamson mm-hmm. uh, in the past couple episodes. And I think uh, Drew Holiday still is near a 20 point per game score. I, I think Reddick's role is going to be a little mm-hmm. bit more limited than it was in Philadelphia because he's not going to be a starter. He's going to be coming off the bench. But we'll definitely have to see. The also, Brandon Ingram, too. The guy I want to bring up is the one that I feel like, let's see, I don't want to blow where you and Dave have him because both of you have him in the top 10. I have him lower. I had him in our 21 through 30 section. Sell me on what, like, yeah. sell me on the Fred Van Vliet top 10 six man. Because for me, here's what I'm thinking A, that Raptors team is going to be vastly different than Kawhi. It just affects the landscape of that team. It doesn't make him a worse player, though. No, no, I'm not and saying a worse a- player, but I'm saying when you have better players around you. Mm-hmm. It's easier to—it takes a little bit of burden off you because, hey, I don't have to do as much because we have such a great player here. And now with that being moved, you might have a guy where OG and Anubi might not be with that second team the whole time. Could be moved to the starting lineup to where Fred Van Vliet, I wonder, was last year just right place, right time, right team? Or was it a step in the right direction 
And he's going to take another step this year. No, I, I think he's going to take another step this year because he's going to get more minutes. I think they're going to look to him more. And he's done everything they've asked for him for the past two years. I mean, this was a guy that even did it before Kawhi was over there. He was doing it with DeMar DeRozan. He was a fantastic bench piece in 2017-2018. Over the past uh, two years, he's shot nearly 40% from three. And he's a guy that moves the ball around as well. And he takes pressure off Kyle Lowry. We know mm. Kyle Lowry is getting older. He's going to be impactful there. And I understand that you're worried about the new look of the Raptors, but we're talking about Nick Nurse and we're talking about Masai Ujiri, who has created two great teams here in Toronto. And, and Nick Nurse obviously proved that he can be a fantastic coach. And he was putting Fred Van Fleet in the most crucial of moments last year in the NBA Finals. And if they didn't have Fred Van Fleet, they wouldn't have won the Finals. And I know you're saying like, oh, well, it's a different new look team with Kawhi Leonard, but I don't think that's going to change what he does. I, I still think they're going to, you know, Kawhi Leonard was a guy that they gave the ball to a ton, and he was just going to attack and dominate. But I think it makes them worse, but it doesn't change up their goals. And their goals are still to shoot three-pointers, and their goal is still to move the ball around. Their goal is still to play great defense. And Fred Van Fleet does that. Fred Van Fleet went out there, and and again, we talked about uh, offensive rating and defensive rating discrepancies. Typically with these guys, they have higher defensive ratings than they do offensive ratings. Fred Van Fleet goes out there and puts up 114 offensive rating, and he does go out there and put puts up 110 defensive rating. Mm-hmm. He is a guy that is massively efficient with the ball in his hands. He's a guy that moves the ball around, it doesn't turn it over, and he scores when asked to. He is a guy that adds something to this team off the bench where they can go smaller with their guards, and we saw how effective that Kyle Lowry and Fred Van Fleet pairing was last year, and I think it's something that they're going to explore more this year, and I think they're going to try to give a shot to, uh, I'm blanking on the guy's name, DeLon Wright, I think. Uh, DeLon Wright, I think, is their their, their shooting guard. Uh, they're going to give him a shot this year as their starter, but I wouldn't be shocked if Fred Van Fleet possibly took that uh, role over um, you know, at, at, by the end of the year. Uh, um, Norman Powell. Yeah, I thought Norman Powell was traded, but yeah, it was DeLon Wright who was traded. Yeah. Norman Powell, I think, is gonna, they're going to give him a shot, but I wouldn't be shocked if they replaced Fred Van Fleet with, with Norman Powell. I mean, Fred Van Fleet last year, uh, even started a couple games for them. He was impactful to this team that won the NBA Finals. Mm-hmm. And again, look back to the Finals, the part where you want to see this impact. In the last game, he put up 22 points. Fred Van Fleet became a father and became dad Fred Van Fleet and turned on to a, a next level. Mm-hmm. He's playing fantastic defense. Well, you know, and he you was get lighting that dad up from the outside. It just levels you up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, he was lighting it up from the outside. So I, I do think that Fred Van Fleet is going to be massively impactful mm-hmm. uh, to this Toronto team. I just, with me, the big thing is, and many people in my rankings are probably going to be like, Ricky, you're sleeping on Fred Van Vliet. Two reasons why it's a shocker that I am, because number one, usually people where it's like, hey, Illinois native, Rockford, cool, giving you a shout out. I'm going to rank you really high just because of that. And also the one thing I will say, devil's advocate to myself, you mentioned it, but I'll throw the stats out there. Shoots threes very well. 41% two years ago. 37% 37% last year. The only reason why he had a little bit of a down click is because he was averaging about one attempt more per game. And I just, with me, maybe it's just I have too many questions about this Raptors team as a whole. So I'm bringing, like, it's bringing the vibe down for me with the Raptors is the thing I just wonder what Fred Van Vliet, and only this season will answer this question of is he going to be the. Andre Iguodala type of player for this team. And when I say that being like, yep, that's our six man. That's who we rely on. That's the guy. Or will it be one of those things where he's good, 
But when it comes to the Raptors, we're like, yeah, Fred VanVleet was good, but man, remember when he really played up when they won the title? Like, what, I, I don't what, get what, your point. What are you trying to say? Or is he going to be the reliable six man, or will he be that one hit wonder? Where it's like, hey, oh. remember that real? But good he hasn't year? been. A, I mean, you saw you saw over the past two years, he hasn't been a one hit wonder. And, He's been a guy that they they. And I'm not saying that it's going to be like he falls off the face of the earth, but it'll be enough of a step back to where people go. But why would he take a step back? I'm. To me, I'm just with the whole. Like I said, the whole different look of this team. Kawhi leaving. And I know that it's like, well, Ricky, one player is not going to make him bad. It's going to teams are going to look at this team now differently defensively because they don't have to rely on, hey, we got to put two guys. We got to focus a lot on Kawhi because we don't want him to kill us. I feel like last year's finals was a, hey, let's make sure he doesn't score and let's make sure he beats us. And Fred VanVleet just stepped up. But it wasn't even just in the in the finals where he stepped up. I mean, he w- he was putting up points. Even uh, I'm looking at Kawhi Leonard, so I was about yeah. to say, holy shit, he was putting up 35 points a game. <laughs> um, but no, you look at even the Milwaukee series. Mm-hmm. The last three games of that, he had 13, 21, and 14. Um, he was a guy that you know was hitting three of three, seven of nine, four or five from three. Like he was on fire uh, from three throughout that whole last half of the playoffs shooting 52% from three. And yeah, he's not going to shoot 52% from three, but he is a guy that's extremely mm-hmm. efficient, has been extremely efficient throughout his career from deep. And I I, I think that's going to continue. I don't think he's going to be like, you know, you know, falling off the face of the earth here. I, I do think that this team and Nick Nurse is, are very good when it comes up to drawing plays and getting their guys open. And I think he's going to be able to do that consistently uh, for Fred Van Fleet because Fred Van Fleet has been able to prove himself that he is able to get into nice spaces, set up his teammates, and consistently put them in spots to score. And he's been able to play off ball as well. And he still has Kyle Lowry. And Kyle Lowry can still create enough to get some space for other shooters like Fred Van Fleet. So I still think he's going to get open looks and stuff like that. So I, I would be shocked if he didn't get you know that type of those type of looks again or anything like that. Um, and, and I'm going to try to find, I'm trying to do this on the fly, uh, mm-hmm. but I'm trying to figure out what his stats were without, uh, without Kawhi. Kawhi, Kawhi, Kawhi yeah. Cause Kawhi didn't do, uh, you know, didn't play a ton last year. Um, 71. So we'll go to 76. Great podcasting here. Um, <laughs> yeah, all right. That's it. So we can just delete that down. Um, so in the games that they didn't have Kawhi, they lost. Two games where where Fred VanVleet played and Kawhi mm-hmm. didn't play. They lost two games out of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. So they went twelve and two without Kawhi Leonard, and that was pretty much the same team, mm-hmm. right? I mean, who, who did they lose outside of that? Pretty much nobody. And throughout those games, I mean, he was putting up twenty three, twelve, thirteen, thirty, fourteen, nineteen, fifteen, twelve, twelve, ten, eleven, eighteen, seventeen, thirteen. And he started one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. He started. He didn't start in four of those games. So eight mm-hmm. of the games he did start. Now I think they're going to give Norm Paul a shot. But yeah, you know, that's not even for sure and certain. They could definitely give Fred Van Fleet a shot. And he's been able to prove himself in those games without Kawhi Leonard. This team still 
has Marcus Gasol. This team still has Pascal Siakam, who I think is going to take a jump. That team wasn't all just Kawhi. They won the finals because of Kawhi, but they're still going to be a playoff team even mm-hmm. without Kawhi Leonard. So it's not like they now have all these five guys and everyone else is this bad that they're just going to be able to lock everybody down. They still are able to scheme guys open. They're still able to set screens. They're still able to move the ball around. Everybody in that starting five are great passers. And adding, you know, taking Norm Powell out and adding Fred Van Fleet in there is still going to give him open looks. And he is able to prove that, you know, over the past three years and his th- his past three years in the NBA, he's been able to n- knock down open shots. And Fred Van Fleet still has the ability to shake some guys loose and hit some shots. So I do think that Fred Van Fleet is a very good guard coming off that bench and playing next to Kyle Lowry and some of these players. Uh, he'll be able to find his shots, and I think he's going to be still super effective on this team. And I will say, not often does this happen on the podcast, but as recording this, I will kind of concede a little bit where it's like, hey, maybe I should have him higher than 21. Maybe I should have him in the top 20. Um, But just, and the last thing I'll say about Fred Van Vliet so we can talk about some of these other guys, I just, I wonder, and it's a question for this year of, when we get to the playoffs, because the Raptors will be a playoff team. I'm not going to be that guy to knock them out of the playoffs. I don't think they're one of the teams that gets knocked out this year. But last year, I think Fred Van Vliet was that guy where how he was able to, yeah, you got to step up and put the ball in the basket, but he had those opportunities because people were like, and teams were like, hey, we got to stop Kawhi. We got to stop Pascal Siakam. They can beat us, but make sure this guy doesn't beat us. And then Fred Van Vliet was like, hey, I'm here. Um, I'll help you. And then I, it propelled them to win games. I wonder if it's going to be the same thing this year with, like, yes, Siakam should take a leap. But, like, when you they, lose the name of Kawhi and other people have to now, like, that team's going to have a learning curve at the beginning of the year. My my point is you still have three guys that can score. And Kawhi Leonard wasn't that whole team. Kyle Lowry can still score, and he's still dangerous. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marcus is still dangerous. And, and, and Serge Ibaka as well, coming off the bench, still dangerous. And, and is along with that, Pascal Siakam is. So it's not like that team was Kawhi. So I, I, let's just move away from that because I don't think this, this <laughs> discussion is going anywhere. Uh, let's talk about Thomas Sadoransky. Um, yes. Sado coming over, possibly could be the starter for the Chicago Bulls. I had him at 10. Dave shockingly had him at 18. You had him at 12. Weirdly enough, I, I, I'm the Chicago homer here. I'm not even the Bulls <laughs> fan. But uh, Sadoransky, I do, do think, is going to add something very interesting to this team. And I think he's going to be effective. And you add him around shooters like your guys who could score like uh, Zach Levine, like uh, Laurie Market. And Bulls fans are hoping that Wendell Carter can be that as well. Otto Porter is a great shooter as well. Um, Thomas Adoransky can literally do anything on the floor. Uh, Nine points per game last year uh, was pretty effective at causing turnovers. Had a steal per game, five assists last year. Can grab some boards and has been a monster so far uh, in the FIBA World Cup. But even then, he's he's been a huge efficient scorer. Forty eight point five percent from the field, thirty nine point five percent. He's only played with just Bradley Beal for the past couple uh, couple of seasons. He had John Wall in there a little bit, but when John Wall went down, Mm -hmm. Sato was in that starting lineup. And and Sadoransky is a guy that you know has. crazy numbers when it comes to next level stats uh in 2017-2018 124 offensive rating compared to 111 defensive rating and a 121 offensive rating compared to a 116 defensive rating not great but on two horrible wizards teams you think adding that next to Markinen, who plays you know good to okay defense Wendell Carter who's supposed to be the defensive guy on that team mm-hmm. Otto Porter who plays great defense and Zach Levine who's there um you have who's a just guy there that I think who is, we're hoping makes another step yeah I, th- I think 
that he can add a little bit more to this team when it comes to defense. And, and I would be really interested to see how he does at the one. And I think that when you take his abilities of passing and his length and his ability to get to the bucket and score and his three-point shooting, that's going to allow Zach to possibly set the guys up. Most of those guys are decent passers on the team as well. He'll be able to hit some open shots. I do think he's going to add something very interesting to this team, and I, I think people are kind of sleeping on him. Yeah, he's going to be our Czech Army knife is what I'm going to call it because he's not Swiss. He's uh, Czechoslovakian. And the thing that I kind of – I was lower on him initially, and then I thought about it because originally I looked at it and I was like, you know what, 8.9 points with the Wizards, and then I'm like, you know what, no, he's going to be able to have more scoring options. He's going to have better players around him to do more with, and I feel like the biggest thing that Sadoransky brings to this team is his versatility. We need you to play the one. Okay, go play the one. We need you to take, play the two to give Zach a rest. Okay, go play the two. We need you to play the three because either Otto is injured or Otto needs a rest. Okay, go out there and play the three, and then that allows us to match him up with different rotations. Do we see a... Chris Dunn, Sadoransky backcourt. Do we see a Kobe White, Sadoransky? Because, hey, Sado's going to play the one. We can now have Kobe out there playing the two. Or do we see him out there where it's like, hey, we've got Chris, Zach, or a, if we do eventually throw Kobe at the one, Kobe, Zach, and Sado being at the three. That's what I love most about him is we're going to be able to throw him in so many different situations to where – He's probably going to be the one player each and every night where it'd be, for me, it'd be fun because you're not in a rhythm of like, yep, this is my position. This is what I play. He's going to be bounced all around that kind of backcourt and wing area to where it's like he's going to be playing with so many different guys where it's a challenge because you got to learn so many different guys' tendencies. But it's going to be fun because each game is probably going to be new and interesting to him out there on the court. Yeah, I, I think Sadoransky, too. You've seen what he's done in the FIBA, and it shows that he isn't afraid of those big moments. And I do think that he'll probably end up being the starter for the Bulls at point mm-hmm. guard. And like I said, I, I am extremely interested to what he can do against, uh, you know, with a quality starting five where, you know, he was dealing with just Bradley Beal, and even at best, he was dealing with Bradley Beal, John Wall, and, and Otto Porter. Even then, those guys different out of Porter. He, too. Yeah, he he had to play a different role uh, when when playing next to uh, when, when playing next to John Wall. So I, I do think in a point guard role, I'd be extremely interested to see what Sadoransky can do. Mm-hmm. Let's move on to some different guys. Uh, Goran Dragic, former All Star, coming here at fourteen. Uh, you had him exactly at fourteen. Dave had him at thirteen. I had him at eight. Um, I, I think that you know he's most likely probably going to be the starter as well. We put Justice Winslow just because mm-hmm. Winslow could be interesting. Winslow's probably going to be the sixth man. Drogic will be the starting point guard. I think people will probably take too much uh, of last year into factor. And I think Drogic next to Butler is going to give him a huge rub this year. And I think Drogic is probably going to bounce back and look more like his 2017-2018 year than he will his 2018-2019 year. So you think we're going to get more to the 17 to 20 point a game, Goran Dragic? Yeah, and I, I think he's going to—I mean, and Goran Dragic is— you know, always a great passer. Mm-hmm. He's not a guy that turns the ball over. I mean, I think that playing next to Jimmy Butler is going to give him some new life, some new energy, and especially coming off of an injury as well and, and being fully healthy is going to help him too. Yeah, with me, the only person that I could maybe, like, at the end of the day, switch him with is the guy I had right above him and Jabari Parker, where I, just, I feel like with Goran, there's, to me, the 
everyone I've got locked in, one through 12, they are the top 12, and I'm not moving them. Where with Goran, it's like, is he going to be good for the Heat? Yes. Like, it's nat- it's a natural question. Um, but I just I question with playing with Jimmy Butler. Does he become the starter? Is he the leader of the second unit out there because they roll somebody else, like you said, Justice Winslow, out there, the one who we had, to where I almost feel like, is he going to get to 20 points a game again? I don't know. But for me, A, it needs to be more than 13. And if he can get to, for me, the sweet spot is 17 is the ceiling. If he gets back to last year or two years ago, you're perfect. Mm-hmm. But for me, a nice sitting point is 15 points. Give me two, and I know it might not seem like a lot, Ricky. It's only two points more per game. But you're giving me just a little bit more scoring per game than you were this past year at 13. But that was, again, due to injuries. Yeah. He didn't get a ton of playing time. He wasn't and stay healthy. healthy. That's another yeah. thing. Uh, let's go to somebody who has been healthy and now in, in, in a different role, mm-hmm. uh, playing next to two stars in Kyle Kuzma. Uh, LeBron, AD, how do you think he's going to fit? Yeah, for me, the thing is he is going to be the leader of that second unit in my mind where AD, LeBron, they're going to lead the starters. They're going to go out there. Now without Lonzo being there, without B.I. being there, he's kind of like the young star, young star for this team to where he is the true main scoring option to me off the bench for this team, where it's just like, hey, the second unit's out there, it's the Kyle Kuzma show. And what we saw even last year, two years ago, with like the insane dunks, and it's like, holy shit, Kyle Kuzma's an amazing scorer. He's going to be able to do that because who else do they have on that second unit? And then when you put a guy like maybe Rondo out there, if Rondo is in the second unit and not uh, starting point guard for them, you give him a guy like Rondo who can play defense in that backcourt, kind of take some pressure off of him. I know Kuzma more mm-hmm. of a wing than a backcourt guy, but it's only going to help him to where he can, his main focus in that second unit can be taking the ball and putting it in the basket. Yeah, the biggest thing that I want to see from Kuzma, he's not a guy that will play any defense, so if he can at least be serviceable on that, that'd be sick. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do want to see him bounce back up to his uh, his three-point shooting percent uh, that he had in his rookie year. Uh, kind of fell off the map last year, which is shocking because you're playing next to LeBron, but maybe having AD and LeBron out there and having those guys will take a little bit more pressure off of him, and that wasn't really the best unit out there because you had mm-hmm. Lonzo, you had Brandon Ingram, you had LeBron. Maybe the fact that you have Danny Green out there and, and, and you have some guys that could shoot that mm-hmm. you know aren't Lonzo, uh, you may, maybe that gives him a bit more space. And, and I would like to see Kuzma just be a guy that is that extremely efficient guy off the bench. And, and if he is that, I think he's going to have a great shot at six man. Do you think we see more of a rookie year type of, not numbers, but minutes-wise, where, hey, you only started 37 games, but you were still playing 31, 30-plus minutes yeah. off the bench. I think so. I think I think we're probably just going to see, you know, JaVale start be, for JaVale's sake. Mm-hmm. Um, not for JaVale's sake, but because Did AD doesn't want to. start Dwight Howard? No. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're probably going to see that because, you know, AD doesn't want to play, uh, play the five for yeah. some fucking reason. Uh, but, yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. I, and I think that we're, we're going to see Kuzma get a ton of minutes this year, and it's just really what can you do with it. Mm-hmm. Uh Final players out there, anyone you want to touch on? For me, the big one that I want to ask you about is 
Mikhail Bridges. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a guy, when I was super high in the draft, what do we expect from him this yeah. year? I'm, I'm glad you brought him up, because that was the guy I wanted to talk about, too. And now we get, we, get, we get end 11 through 30 on a high note. Uh, Mikhail Bridges, I think... Uh, you know, it's it's a good sign that they traded Josh Jackson because that means more minutes for him. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have to worry about that. They also had Trevor Ariza going into last year. Now he's out of there. Um, and also, this dude apparently has a ton of nicknames: Noodles, Inspector Go Go Gadget, String Bean Brittle, and Praying Mantis. Uh, I'm gonna call him fucking Go Go Gadget all the time now. I'm just gonna call him Mikhail. Um, it's a pretty good name for him. But uh, <laughs> the biggest thing that I want to see from him, and, and he, he showed it last year at times too. He's a guy that did absolutely everything for this team. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was scoring. He was you know uh, grabbing boards. He's dishing out assists. Uh, stole like a, a ball and a half a game. Um, the thing that I just want to see from him is him, him getting more efficient because he is a guy that had great you know outlying stats. And I really can't look at his defensive rating because well it was the Suns and they didn't have anybody. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, looking at his defensive box score plus minus, that was a positive. He still had 1.2 defensive win shares. So I, I, I do think that his defense can't really be defined by his defensive rating exactly. And we do know that at least in college, he did show that ability to be versatile. So maybe with DeAndre Ayton taking a step forward, uh, with them being able to, uh, with them being able to add some veterans around this, like Ricky Rubio. I think that his efficiency will come along, and I think his defense, his defensive outlying numbers will get better. And I, I do think that you know it's just going to be a second year, and you're you should assume that it's going to be a second year jump because of you know this team getting better all around. I think the addition of Rubio is huge because they finally have a point guard. Uh, so now Devin Booker will be able to have someone create for him, and Booker is great in the mid range, and Booker's a decent passer as well. Mm-hmm. And I think Bridges uh, can, can can shoot a bit from the outside. Um, at least when he's open. So I, I will be interested to see how he will do with more of a fluid offense um, and, and you know, with guys you know like Ricky Rubio being added, what he can truly do. Yeah, I mean, for me, this is going to sound boring, but it's the one main thing that I look for from Mikhail Bridges this year entering year number two. How many more points? Like, I want an increase in points per game, and the only thing I wonder is how much of a points per game increase are we going to get? Because it's the Suns. Because Devin Booker is going to get his. DeAndre Ayton is going to get his. Kelly Oubre, I feel like, is going to get his. Ricky Rubio will get his to where how many points will be going around for Mikhail to get? Is it only an increase of, like, cool, you're a 10 to 11 guy now instead but, of an 8 that it again, still puts you six into it? man. It, yeah. doesn't, it doesn't matter if he's getting 20 points per game because you've you got to mm-hmm. look at the usage. And, and you know, he's not going to be like Lou Williams who's getting a 30 usage as a 6 man because that's honestly ridiculous to, to expect that. I, I, do, you I think, still, do you think he still gets like 29 minutes a game of what he got last year? Yeah, I think he's going to get an inc- increase. I mean, okay. Josh Jackson's minutes are absolutely gone, so you need you, there needs to be True. an increase somewhere. Um, he wasn't a for-sure guy to even be their 6 man. Um, when we were coming down to it, I forget who else is on, who was uh, battling off the top of my head. I'll look in the top. Um, I got it right here. Um, it was Mikhail or it was... Cam Johnson. Uh, no, uh, it wasn't Cam Johnson. Tyler, Tyler uh, Johnson. Tyler Johnson. Um, <laughs> I just saw Johnson and I thought, Cam Johnson? Yeah, but... It, John's it, it, boy? Even then, Tyler Johnson has been able to, you know, run the point as well. So it's going to be fun that these guys can, can play next to each other. And mm-hmm. I, I think that... You know, Mikael Bridges is going to get the opportunity to score. I don't think you should expect anything crazy from him. But as long as he is out there being efficient and can play, you know, good defense for this team, that's exactly what he's out there for. He's a guy that can play versatile D. He can cover the guys that Devin Booker can't. He's out there for guys that, you know, maybe uh, Dario Sarge can't. He can play 
well, I think, in in any opportunity that they ask him to. And I think we're going to see a, a decent shot here from uh, Mikhail Bridges. I'm excited to see what he can do in year two. Yeah. No, me too. It's just for me, and yet again, I apologize if it's a boring take, but for me, it's kind of what I look at most six men in is how many points do you score? And Mikhail, I just think it, it, it might be enough just to be, hey, be a 10-point-per-game guy instead of an 8-point-per-game guy. He was like 8.9. I know. So it's like, so it's like one is point. a one-point increase going <laughs> to put him top 10, Ricky? It's a, it's a different – no, it's not going to put him top 10. That That's just crazy. We got enough six men that deserve to be in that top 10. But let's move into the <laughs> final segment, and that is 1 through 10 for six men for the for all 30 NBA teams. Let us know your thoughts on six men down in uh, comments below. We know we did not get this right, or everyone's <laughs> going to agree on this. We didn't agree on this. This is definitely the People most— People don't agree on anything. This is definitely the most uh, opposite rankings that we've all had, at least for mm-hmm. us three. So everyone's going to have their own uh, own opinions here. But let's start off uh, with Dave. I'll give his 1 through 10. Ricky will give his own. I'll give my own, and then we'll do the uh, cumulative— for Dave at 10, he had Jeremy Grant of now the Denver Nuggets. At 9, he had Rudy Gay of the San Antonio Spurs. At 8, he had Marcus Smart of the Boston Celtics. 7, Fred Van Fleet of the Toronto Raptors. 6, Dennis Schroeder of the Oklahoma City Thunder. 5, Terrence Ross of Supernova Offense for the Orlando Magic. 4, Bogdan Bogdanovich of the Sacramento Kings. 3, Derek Rose now of the Detroit Pistons. 2, Spencer Dinwiddie of the Brooklyn Nets. And 1, the king of the six-man, Lou Williams. Yeah, no surprise here. Uh, Lou Will going to be number one. But starting at 10 for me, Rudy Gay. Then at number nine, Spencer Dinwiddie. Number eight, Jeremy Grant. Number seven, Marcus Smart. Number six, the supernova of offense, Terrence Ross. Then at five, J.J. Redick. Four, Kyle Kuzma. Three, Derek Rose. Number two, T.J. Warren. And number one, it's good to be king, Lou Williams. All right, moving my one through 10. At 10, I had Thomas Sadoransky, the Chicago Bulls. At 9, Jeremy Grant of the Denver Nuggets. 8, Goran Dragic of the Miami Heat. 7, Dennis Schroeder of the Oklahoma City Thunder. 6, my boy TJ Warren, now of the Indiana Pacers. At 5, Spencer Dinwiddie of the Brooklyn Nets. 4, Fred Van Fleet of the Toronto Raptors. 3, Marcus Smart of the Boston Celtics. 2, Rudy Gay of the San Antonio Spurs. And number 1, the king of six-man, Lou Williams. Let's start off with Lou Will. Uh, the only, I think this is the biggest discrepancy between uh, 1 and 2 that we've had all year. Jokic and Embiid, that was a one-point difference. Uh, for Kawhi versus Giannis, that was a two-point difference. For LeBron versus everybody else, that was a three-point difference. Then for shooting guards, James Harden definitely won by a lot, uh, but he only had a three-point difference as well. And going to point guard, Steph had a three-point difference over Dame. So this is by far the biggest difference point-wise for any one over a two. It is a 13-point difference. Lou Williams dominated. Would you like the cumulative? Thought you gave that. No, I didn't. You didn't. We went straight from you. You you went straight into yours, right into what we're because that's what you're used to. Sean's used to giving the cumulative. Ricky, give us our cumulative rankings. I was so ready to do it, and then you're like, "Let's go into." I'm like, "Hmm, I guess we're not doing the cumulative." At ten, we have Jeremy Grant. At nine, the supernova uh, supernova of offense, Terrence Ross. Number eight, T.J. Warren. Number seven, Dennis Schroeder. Number six, Derek Rose. Number five, Bogdan Bogdanovich. Number four, Sean, if you want to do the honors, are we going to do it once a podcast? You know, oh, yeah. It, for, uh, for number four, it's 
Fucking Rudy Gay, man. Shit. It's fucking Rudy Gay, man. Then at number three, Marcus Smart. Number two, Spencer Dinwiddie. Number one, Lou Will. I can't believe I did that. Do you want to copy and paste the, the, I w- the Lou Will bit there? Because I was because uh, I was saving it for the saving, fucking Rudy Gay. Saving what? I was like at number four. Fucking Rudy Gay, man. Shit. That's I wanted to save it for the end though, the last one. Fucking Rudy um, Gay, man. Shit. Yeah, I, at least let's copy and paste that Lou Will stuff that I was saying though. The '90s through seven, I could just seven, do seven, a previously on the fast. Yeah, break. it's it's the biggest discrepancy between a one and the two is Lou Williams versus Spencer Dinwiddie. Uh, Thirteen point difference for Lou Williams at uh, number one. Let's talk about him. Mm-hmm. The biggest thing for me is like he is he defines what a a six man is. Uh, and and it's not because you know he is the most talented on this roster. He's a starter, um, huh? Because he's like the best start, like out of all these. No, he's. I don't think he is a starter. You don't think Lou Will's a starter? No, I, I think he is perfect in that six man spot, and he is better as a starter. And this in the Clippers team, and I know it's going to be mm-hmm. a definitely a different Clipper team than it was when he was starting in 2017, 2018. But in those starts. They were twelve and seven in those starts. They had a sixty-three point one win percentage when Lou Will was starting, and they were thirty and thirty-three in all the other games he didn't start. That was a forty-seven point six win percentage. They were below five hundred without him in the starting lineup, and with him in the starting lineup, uh, they were great. But he is the definition of a six-man because he just comes in there, he scores points, and he, and he adds something different to this team. Or at least mm-hmm. he did last year because they were more of a veteran finesse, um, you know, more skilled and polished team with your starting lineup, and then when it came to the six-man bench, it was let's move fast, let's move quickly, uh, let's let's go as hard as we can with him and Montrez, and they, they played absolutely phenomenal. And Montrez and, and Lou Williams probably are the third and fourth best players on their team, but it's mostly because of their, their roles and what they add off the bench. I don't think he really is a starter, and I just think he's constantly one of those guys that, you know, He's never the bride. He's always a bride mate, but he's a fucking great bride mate. You know, mm-hmm. like he'll do everything. Like, oh shit, you forgot your your, your dress. I don't know anything about being a bridesmaid, but like, oh, you're you, right. You forgot your, your dress. I'll fucking drive a hundred yeah. down and get get your fucking dress, girl. Um, he's never I'm the one stop with the fucking I, bride. I, I'll shit, put it this but, way: he's never the one to bring the girl home, but he'll help you bring him home. He'll bring no. He well, he uh, he's not the. I disagree with that because he had two girlfriends at a point. Okay, um, no, so but I'm he's, telling, he's, he's, he's a great wingman. He's not. He's not the guy to, to bring. Uh, three girls home, but he'll bring two girls home. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, Lou Williams, it's kind of like he's just been the senior for like yeah. five years, but he's like, he's still the best the player. Red on the shirt, red team. shirt, red shirt, red shirt, red shirt, red exactly. shirt, red shirt senior. Um, he is uh, the Aaron Diebler of uh, the NBA, <laughs> yeah. um, but he, he's fantastic. And, and you know, 31 players last year scored 28 points per, per game or more. Mm-hmm. Um, and 30 of them, the other 30, make an average of 28.5 per year, million per year. Lou Williams makes eight a year, yeah. and that kind of shows well, that he's not a starter. And and the fact that they were able to get him for t- three years, $24 million, shows his worth. He is a very good bench player, and, and he's not like an amazing player to where he's jumping out of those those two, 30 players, mm-hmm. out of those 31 players. Uh, he had the worst field goal percentage. He had the seventh worst true shooting percentage. He had the tenth worst offensive rating. He had the sixth worst defensive rating. Is he, he is just an offensive guy, and even then he's a, not like a, a, a superb offensive player. He's just a guy that can score buckets for you, and he, he knows how to get to the to the to the uh, to the basket, and he knows how to get himself open. Are you a Blue Mountain State guy? No. Do you watch Blue Mountain State? I'm basically going to make this reference, and my Blue Mountain State people can maybe back me up. He's the Alex Moran of this team, not the guy that's going to go out there and be like, "Hey, I want to be the starter." Hey, I'll go out there. I'm the backup. 
I get the trickle-down banging, get to bring two girls home at one time. That's what they call it in Blue mm-hmm. Mountain State, trickle-down banging. Because, you know, the starter gets it, then it goes to the second team, then the third team. Alex Moran was the third starter on that football team for Blue Mountain State. But he can do everything you want, and I think we're kind of saying the same thing at the same time. Lou will. He's going to do everything you want. Doesn't necessarily. Maybe he doesn't want to be the starter. Maybe he's like, you know what, I'm fine with this role because I do it very well. But the second guy you mentioned, I think, is very interesting. And Spencer Dinwiddie, where you had him five. Yep. Dave, and this is one where, like you said, I wish Jeez. Dave was here to defend why he had him at two. Dave is the biggest fucking Nets and then I had him Spencer at nine. Dinwiddie fan. But, like, for me, I feel like this is splitting hairs because I could, I could almost switch him and Jeremy Grant and be fine with it. But everyone in my top seven, Marcus Smart brings too much defense off that bench for me to put mm-hmm. him um, below Spencer Dinwiddie. Terrence Ross, maybe it's me just playing into the supernova of Terrence Ross and giving him some love, but maybe I could put Ross below. Um, but other than that, like J.J. Redick, I think is going to provide score a lot of scoring off the bench. Same with Kuzma. Derek Rose, if he doesn't have any, I got to bring it up, he doesn't have any bone spurs in his elbow, Sean. Um, if he can put 18 points up like he did last year um, off the bench for the T-Wolves, and it's like, T.J. Warren and Lou Williams are like I'm not gonna be able to put Spencer or Spencer Dinwiddie over those two guys. And I, I, I let's get to the point. Like I, I want to get to the D-Row stuff, but okay. l- l- let's let's stick on Spencer Dinwiddie. Yeah. We won't jump around too much. Uh, at least for that, Dinwiddie, I think is gonna see uh, a more relaxed role now that Kyrie Irving's there. I think it's gonna be tougher for him to get into the lineup because they did trust him a ton uh, when D'Angelo Russell was there. So mm-hmm. I don't think he's gonna be putting up like 17 points per game last year. Um, I do think he's gonna be super efficient, which is gonna be nice. And and he is a guy that can go and and score buckets for them and get really hot. Um, but I think his role is gonna be decreased. And I think if we were talking Spencer Dinwiddie, you know, f- from last year, and if this was the same team, I think he would be number two on this list. Um, but I, I don't know if he's going to have that similar impact there, and, and I think his, his role is going to be decreased, but he's still a great player. Mm-hmm. And like you said, at least compared to the guys above him, Marcus Smart plays defense, and he adds something to that, that team that you know, he, you're not able to. He's a guy that can guard guards on that team and, and do it fantastically well, where Kemba can't really do that. And the other three guys in that starting lineup are all wings, and Gordon Hayward, Jalen Brown, and, and Jason Tatum. So Marcus Smart does bring something unique to a great team, and Rudy Gay is a guy that should be a starter. He's a guy that's going to put up nearly you know, 15 to 12 points. And last year, he had a low scoring output for himself, but that team in the San Antonio Spurs weren't putting up a ton of points. But even then, he was massively efficient, and he was just dominating mm-hmm. out there. Um, that was one of his best efficiency years last year. So I think Rudy Gay is going to be super effective off the bench. But at least looking at Spencer Dinwiddie, I think his role is going to be decreased a bit, but he still think he's going to be one of the most effective uh, bench guards in the league. And the reason why I have D-Rose low is D-Rose might put up 20 points, right? But D-Rose is not going to play. D-Rose is going to play probably play maybe 40 to 50 games this year again. Mm-hmm. And I understand D-Rose had a three-point shot for 25 games, but I don't really care. D-Rose is the same damn guy. D-Rose is going to put up garbage points, and that's it. Like, is garbage D-Rose going to be on a playoff, on a playoff team? team? I mean, do you think the Pistons are falling off? I don't know if they're going to be a playoff team because Miami okay. wasn't a playoff, playoff team last year and they got better. So I, I think that, if anything, there's seven or eight. But are they going to do any damage in the first round? No. No. So I don't really see them as a dangerous team. And Derrick Rose, I don't think, adds that much to this team. He's better than Reggie Jackson. That's for sure. 
But like D Rose, I don't think I, I don't I don't want D Rose in my starter. Like I would rather take Spencer Dinwiddie as my starter over D Rose. I would rather have Lou but, Williams as my starter than D Rose. But I'd I rather have Marcus Rose... Smart as my starter. I'd rather have Dennis Schroeder as my st- so, starter. I would rather have Gordon Dragic as my let starter. Me throw, there let me are throw more guys out, out there. Hold on, there's more guys out there on this list that I would rather have as my starter. I don't care that D Rose used to play in Chicago mm-hmm. and is a former MVP and is an is a Hall of Famer to his family members, like you just said. I don't care about that stuff. D Rose is a guy that, is, in my mind, is extremely limited when it comes to scoring. He's limited when it comes to his defense, and I think he's absolutely overrated by this fucking podcast well here's the question i'm gonna throw out to you then for what you said when you rank six men are you then throwing in the little it might not be a big criteria but are you throwing out the criteria of well if i want you to be a starter one day then yes you're going to be ranked higher than lower like are you going to be ranked higher if you're like oh this guy can start, so he's going to be higher. We're, my, is six men, mm-hmm. like, because six men come off the bench. Yeah. My like, we're criteria, not looking to move them into a starting role. My criteria is impact on team, right? So what's your impact going to be? Mm-hmm. Lou Williams, while he isn't the most talented player on this list, he is a guy that adds something extremely unique to this team. He's the best scoring guard, and he is a guy that can put up 20 points. And mm-hmm. I know that typically I'm a guy that thinks – Points per game is absolutely overrated, um, but I think you can it, pad those stats. Yeah, you can pad those stats, and 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 it doesn't really matter because if you're putting up twenty points per game and not doing efficiently, then it doesn't matter. It's, it's garbage points. Mm-hmm. But Lou Williams, I think he does just add something where he kind of has that name power, and he isn't massively efficient, but he he can score and he can get hot, and he you know having a guy that can put up thirty five off your bench in, in a night, you know, it's not. It's not every single night, and it's not super efficient every single night, but when he can explode like that, that he's going to help your team win, and he's going to absolutely move that needle. And, mm-hmm. and he's the only guy on this list, maybe him and Spence, that can put out that type of output and just absolutely light it up. And people I know are going to bring up, oh, Derrick Rose scored 50 in a game last year. It's one game, and he's not healthy. So Lou Williams Devin played- Booker also scored over 70 in a game. Big whoop. I'm agreeing with you that, like, that's not, like... But I was just making the point, like, having a guy off your bench like Williams who can score a ton and, like, 50 or 40 in a game... I was agreeing with you that the 50, it's like, okay, just because he scored 50 in a game doesn't mean he's going to do it again. I know I'm going to get shit for having Derrick Rose this low, and I don't really care. But, like, you know, Derrick Rose had a 50-point game, and people are going to bring up the fact, well, if Lou Williams could do it, why can't Derrick Rose do it? Why isn't Derrick Rose higher? It's because Derrick Rose isn't, isn't trusted enough to be out there. Well, like, I, that, don't, I, I don't trust him to be out there every single night where Lou Williams has been doing this for year in, year out. And that's where that's why Lou Will's number one. He's kind of, he's put in the, he's Mr. Reliable for the mm-hmm. six men. And for me this year, maybe it's a little bit of hope for Derrick Rose, but I look at this Pistons team and what is Derrick Rose going to be able to do for kind of one of the first times in his career since leaving the Bulls is, hey, He's going to be the main scoring option off the bench. Like, you look at their two unit, you've got Bruce Brown, who, unproven. You've got Svi Mikhailuk, who, good shooter, can add points, but he's not going to be your main scoring option. No, he should be. And then Markeith Morris and Thon Maker, shot taker, are not going to be. I know that's Ron Baker, but I like saying it for Thon Maker, too. Um, Marquise Morris and Thon Maker aren't going to be your leading scorer off the bench. So, like... That, to me, is Derrick Rose's role on this team. Be the number one off the bench and put the ball in the basket. Score those points. 
when Reggie Jackson needs a rest, when Luke Kennard needs a rest, whenever you're putting that second unit out there, that's what you're going to get from Derrick Rose. And the question is, and this is the question of how high you would have him, is are we going to see last year Derrick Rose where he played 51 games, averaged 27 minutes. I know he started for 13, but was injured. Or are we going to see the three years before? Nine games, 16 games, 25 games. And that was total between, um, yeah, no, 25 all of last season. That's what that was. Like, he hasn't played meaningful, like, what, 64 games was the last time he played that many, and that was in New York. So it's like... Are we going to see, like, hey, give me 50-plus games? Or are we going to see the, hey, 16-25 kind of a performance from Derrick Rose? And I think if he plays most of the games, he's going to be the number one scoring option off that bench and will definitely help that Pistons team and will not be a hurt. He'll only be a hurt if he is just that hurt. I... I think it was because he's glass. Like, he's he's absolutely glass, and I, I think it was an absolute mirage of what Derrick Rose did last year. I, I do, flash I do not in the think pan. This is Derrick Rose. I think it was a flash in the pan. This is his highest offensive rating since 2011, 2012, right? And I know he's been injured since those days, and he hasn't been fully healthy. But mm-hmm. in the past seven years, he's not done anything like that. And I think he was getting such a high usage percentage last year because they didn't really have anybody to score they couldn't trust Wiggins and Mm -hmm. I I understand that you know this is a a Pistons team that isn't that great as well they do have Blake Griffin they have Andre Drummond but I I don't think he's going to make that big of an impact if I'm wrong on him okay but I I I think he's just massively overrated and I probably have him underrated too but but like with with this the thing I will say with with this and this is the final thing I'll say on this and you can finish it up and and you you end you end the Derek stuff like Larry Nance, if you have Derrick Rose above Larry Nance, I don't really care. Like that's that's fair. But Larry Nance is a very efficient scorer. He is extremely uh, skilled at attacking the bucket, and I think that he is probably a better player if traded and more impactful player if traded to a different team. He's not going to have that big of an impact for Cleveland. So if you want to put Derrick Rose above him because Derrick Rose is going to be on a playoff team and he's probably going to help that playoff team, that's fine. Terrence Ross, both on playoff teams. I trust Terrence Ross in the playoffs because he's going to stay healthy, and we saw what he did last year. He earned the nickname of the Supernova offense. Mm-hmm. I trust the Supernova more than I trust Derrick Rose. J.J. Redick, again, one of the most efficient three-point shooters, and he's going to add that to a team that's trying to buy for the playoffs. And we talked about his his, his pairing next to Lonzo Ball and, and, and Drew Holiday. It's going to be a perfect pairing, and he's going to fill perfectly out of that New Orleans team, and he brings something else that that team doesn't have. Derrick Rose is very similar to Reggie Jackson. I think he's just a better player than Reggie Jackson. But I don't think he's going to add anything crazy different to this team. Kyle Kuzma adds shooting next to AD and LeBron, like we said. Marcus Morris adds a four that can shoot for for the Knicks and play great defense. Mm-hmm. They don't really have that. They have Bobby Portis and Mitchell Robinson and, and, and Julius Randle, guys that can play decent defense, and then Mitchell Robinson can play def- great defense. But those are guys that really make their bu- their buckets around the net. Bogdan Bogdanovich brings... Uh, skilled ball handling abilities at the two and the three for the Kings, and they're possibly a playoff team. Thomas Sadoransky, we already said, is going to be probably the starting point guard for the Bulls, and he brings something else to that Bulls team that we really don't see um, in Chris Dunn or Kobe White. Jeremy Grant is a 
mirage when it comes to defense and three-point shooting. He's going to be a perfect add to that that Denver team. Goran Dragic is likely a starter, and if he's healthy, he's exactly like Derrick Rose when it comes to you know ball handling and scoring. I just trust Goran Dragic to stay healthier, and he's been better and more consistent over the past couple of years. I project Goran Dragic to be better with Jimmy Butler than Derrick Rose with 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 uh, with Blake Griffin. I think Dennis Schroeder is probably you know a starter in this league. He's just playing behind Chris Paul. And even mm-hmm. then, if Chris Paul goes down, I think Dennis Schroeder would be absolutely fine in that starting lineup for OKC. He consistently puts up buckets. Yeah. Like very similar players between him and Derrick Rose. Um, and then TJ Warren, I think, is going to take a step up defensively because Indiana knows how to teach defense, and he really hasn't played great on a, on a great defensive team ever. He's been on Phoenix, but I do think he's going to add defense and shooting to that team. He might even be the starter over uh, Jeremy Lamb. We already talked about Dinwiddie. We talked about Fred Van Fleet. We talked about Marcus Smart. I think impact-wise, you, you could probably make the argument for uh, Rose over Nance, but outside of that, I think there's— Guys that bring different aspects to their team's game that they don't have, where Derrick Rose and Reggie Jackson have such an overlap that it's really just pick the best one. Mm-hmm. And I don't think either are that great. Yeah, and first off, I had a mini heart attack because I could not remember weeks and weeks and weeks ago. You started talking about OKC, and I'm like, oh, shit. Did we put Shane in the starting lineup? And yeah. We did, thank God. Because um, I'm like, if we didn't and then missed on Shea in some way. But the last thing I was going to say is, and this is not me throwing Dave under the bus, but it kind of is, in a sense. The thing you can say in this Derrick Rose argument is both you and I are consistent, Sean. Because if we look at last year, you had Derrick Rose at 26. What, he's 17 now for you? Mm-hmm. You had an increase because he had a better year, but you didn't do anything too crazy. For me, I had Derrick Rose at 5. A lot less of a jump to go up, but he, he went up. From five to three. Smaller increase, but still increased. Dave had him at 15 last year and then was like, ah, top three. Like, huge jump for Dave. The reason why, though, is because you guys grew up with Derrick Rose. He was from <laughs> Chicago, and uh-huh. you guys were you guys are Bulls Watched homers. him in high school, yeah. watched him in college, so watched him in the pros. He's this high for you guys is not shocking. And <laughs> I'm sick. I, I hear about Derrick Rose all the time. Apparently, here. you're the so only I'm thing keeping this from being a Bulls podcast, although we have a Bulls podcast. Yeah. So with, with that, am I too low on Derrick Rose? Yes. Are you guys too high on Derrick Rose? Yes. So we, well, hopefully we, the balance We met out. him in the middle. It, we didn't because you guys at had him. Six. You guys had, both had him at three. We met him in the middle he at should, six. He should definitely be below Dennis Schroeder and probably Terrence Ross. Should he be but... top ten even in our cumulative? No, I don't think so. Okay. I think he should probably be like 13. Um, anyways, uh, let's move to somebody else, uh, anybody else, please God. Um, let's move to a guy that I'm very excited about, mm-hmm. and that's going to be uh, Jeremy Grant. I think this was a sneaky pickup. Uh, for the Denver Nuggets to go out and get Jeremy Grant from the the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, something they really don't have is shooting at the four, mm-hmm. and now they have that. And and Jeremy Grant has been able to add a three-point shot to his game and become more consistent. And last year, he was lighting it up. And you might say, well, he was playing with Russell Westbrook, but now you're playing with Nikola Jokic, you're playing with Gary Harris, you're playing with uh, Jamal Murray, you're playing with even uh, Monty Morris and and, and, and and Malik Beasley, guys who can come off the bench and, and dish you some assists. And he's mm-hmm. probably still going to get some open looks out there. And if he's able to shoot 36 to 39%, he's adding length, he's adding three-point shooting, and he's adding defense to this Denver Nuggets team. And this Nuggets team is already disgustingly deep when mm-hmm. it comes to the bench. And this is just going to add more versatility to their team. And I cannot be more excited 
for this edition. He's a guy that's finally coming into his own. He's going to be 25 this year. He's a guy that had 119 offensive rating last year and 108 defensive rating. This guy can add something to this team that they desperately needed in, in length at the four. They didn't really have a consistent guy last year. They had Juancho uh, Hernan Gomez out there um, at, at the four uh, at times. Uh, I think uh, that was pretty much it. Cause, yeah, I was thinking Trey Lyles, but Trey Lyles had been gone off the team for a while. Um, and, and they have a guy that is going to be a consistent player out there for them. He, he is the, just a natural defensive stopper he's a guy that can even protect the rim as well to hide Jokic's inabilities at doing that I absolutely love this addition and I think he's going to be so 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 fucking good on this team I can't wait no yeah I mean you mentioned it where basically the biggest thing for me is you said shooting and it's like add more shooters because that's what's going to fit in this team where it's like we talked about Isaiah Thomas earlier in the podcast and last year coming to Denver we were because Dave and I actually, like, Dave brought it up and I brought up our spreadsheet. You look at last year, we were really high on Isaiah Thomas because of what we thought he would do in this Denver system where both you and Dave had him at 5 and 6, respectively. I had him a little lower, but still 12 based off of how he played last year. Even 12 was too high. And I don't bring that up because I don't think that Jeremy Grant is going to have that kind of a performance. I bring it up because the biggest thing in Jeremy Grant that's going to play into this, and you mentioned it with Isaiah Thomas, is Jeremy Grant going to fit into that system where mm-hmm. we can say he is, but we all thought Isaiah Thomas would fit and he didn't. So I'm not saying like Jeremy Grant's well, not going to fit because I had Jeremy Grant at eight. I think he's going to have a good year. But we, can he fit, we, like you said, give them that shooting that we, they want and give them that defense to fill in for the, where Jokic can't. The thing is, is that, and I know your point that, you know, we thought Isaiah Thomas could fit there. I, I thought that Isaiah Thomas could bring something different yeah. to that team. And it was more I, I wishful thought was, thinking, I too. thought that he was going to be able to be a different player in that second unit, mm-hmm. and he didn't fit with the system, and that was the biggest thing. But I do think Jeremy Grant fits in that system, yeah. because Isaiah, Isaiah Thomas was his own player, right? Mm-hmm. And we thought Isaiah Thomas would be able to fit in that system just because of you know what he was doing in, in, in Boston, being able to run off screens and, and get open. But they're not a huge screen team when it comes to that. They really want guys, at least their guards, to create off of pick and rolls and stuff like that. Um, and, and screens, at least, when and then ball handling, where Isaiah Thomas is better running off, off ball screens. Mm-hmm. And I think Jeremy Grant, when it comes to pick and pop situations and driving and, and, and just standing in the corner and doing that, He's going to fit more naturally into this system, and that's why I think he's just going to be be this good. I, yeah. I, it's why I think he's going to be consistent out there. He 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 f- is a more natural fit in this lineup uh, than Isaiah Thomas, and I think that's mm-hmm. why we don't have to have those concerns like we did with uh, Isaiah Thomas. Because another thing too, Isaiah Thomas wasn't healthy. Could so. he be the type of guy maybe that Fred Van Vliet was to the Raptors, where it's a bench player? that is giving them something to push them over the edge in a deep Western Conference and a Western Conference that may be up for the picking with the Warriors being injured this year. I'm not going to argue that, yeah, Denver Nuggets can win the finals because, mm-hmm. fuck, yeah, they can. Um, I think it at least it doesn't hurt them when it comes to a Millsap injury, which happened last year. It won't hurt them when Millsap leaves. And it also gives them a stopgap for Michael Porter Jr. to get mm-hmm. ramped up. And when it comes to... And Bobo. 
when it comes to Michael Porter getting ramped up, let's give Bobo the ability to get ramped up for his one year before he starts getting ramped up. He needs a ramp up to the ramp yeah. up. Um, but looking at where they struggled last year, they struggled in spacing the floor in the mm-hmm. playoffs and having that second guy step up. And another thing I think they do allows allows them to do is if Will Barton isn't isn't good like he was last year, they can throw him in at the three because he is so versatile. So it just gives him versatility. Um, and, and that's key when it comes to the playoffs is having guys that you can throw out there and, and give different looks out there. And if you want to go small, you can go small because he can even play the five. So you could throw out a lineup there with uh, Gary Harris, Jamal Murray, Barton if he's efficient, and uh, possibly like a, a Malik Beasley or a, or, or a Montemoris. Like they, they, have a, they could provide a lot of different mm-hmm. looks and a very small look if, if they want to. Um, I don't really know who would play that four in that situation. I threw out Morris and and, and and Beasley. I don't think they'd probably be the four. It'd probably be Barton, but he might even be too small. But, again, if they wanted to go small, they have that opportunity. Who the hell – refresh my memory with the um, Denver. Who was it in – I can't remember who they were playing – in a playoff series that got into a fight. And it was like – I remember the announcers calling it like goonish behavior. Jokic. That was, a, well, was it, yeah, was it Jokic versus no, Cantor? No, no, no. It was. I want it. I don't. Was it last year? Yeah, it was last year. Where it was one of their guards. I I know it wasn't Beasley. I don't think it was Will the Thrill. I don't think it was Craig. Because I remember it like could be Tory. I don't was know. it Tory Craig or Tory and Craig? Tory Craig. Um, that's just the one thing that right now in my mind I'm like, oh, who was that? From last year, that got it, they got into kind of like a little scuffle at the end of like a meaningless game, like meaningless meaning they were going to lose that game. I think it was in the Spurs series, maybe, maybe have been second round. I don't know. Comment section, help me out because that's a random thought that I just had um, while you were talking about the like Michael Porter and Ball Ball and like how Jeremy Grant fills in. It's like, did that guy leave the team? Is he still on the team? I don't know. Useless thought from Ricky. Yeah, you got to no get idea. one of those a, a game. I'll look it up and find it. Yeah, I I, I cannot tell you who that would have been. Um, the only thing that I remember that was slightly iffy from any player from the, the Nuggets last year was Jokic uh, on the block for the uh, free throw. Um, let's bring up one guy finally to, to wrap up this podcast. I'll bring up TJ Warren. Mm-hmm. I mentioned a little bit earlier. He finally added a three-point shot, and they're going to look for someone to replace Boyan Bogdanovich. Bogdanovich was a fantastic defender and turned out to become a great scorer uh, for that Indiana Pacers team, uh, a surprising score already. T.J. Warren has that ability. T.J. Warren is a guy that it was Tory Craig. Mm. It was the game two um, against the Blazers. Mm. That's what it was. What happened? I'll remind you exactly because I'm going to oh. pull up the YouTube video. I'll um, remind you after I watch it. Anyways, uh, T.J. Warren has proven that he could be a scorer already in this league. He's he's averaging 15 on his career but he, he's put up near 20 before and 18 that was on a bad Suns team so I wouldn't be shocked if he came in and put up near that 14 mark mm-hmm. uh, for the Pacers this year but the addition of his three-point shot last year is absolutely huge and I think the biggest thing that I like from him is he's already proven that he can force turnovers and if he can become a smarter defender and make sure that he stays in front of guys I think that he can be a huge addition to this team. He's clearly showing that he's ability, his, he has the ability to work. Um, and if he is working on that defensive side, he can go out there and, and he's going to be a massive impact to this Pacers team. And I think the biggest sign for them is we know that teams do scouting. These, these teams have fantastic scouting departments. Mm-hmm. Um, they know more about the NBA than we do, um, even when sometimes we don't think that. Um, shout out to the Wizards. But 
they know guys that have these frameworks and these mindsets and, and, and their work ethics. And I think they're taking a shot on TJ Warren because they think they could take the step defensively. And if he does so, I think we're talking about a guy that can be a top five to top three six man uh, next year. And I think that right now he's not there yet, but offensively he's proven that he could be efficient from the outside and from the mid range. And if he's able to add that defensive element to his game, he could be a fucking phenomenal player in the NBA. And I, I, I truly do think that he isn't there yet defensively, but I, I'm very intrigued why the Pacers picked him up. And I think they probably see something in him that mm-hmm. they can mold and turn into a next level player. And I hope that happens for TJ Warren. So before I get in on TJ Warren, I watched the video. It wasn't what I was thinking about. That, mm. that was the one where Cantor bumped into Torrey Craig when he had the mask on in the playoffs mm. after the gotcha. free throw knocked him over. And then they had the scuffle of like, hey, why are you fucking knocking over my guy? But no, with the Pacers picking up Warren, like for me, I think that he is going to be a guy that it's going to be interesting with him because I feel like he's going to start at the beginning of the year, but then be a bench role. And I look at their second unit and it's just it's guys that are to me unproven and yes I know Jake's gonna get mad TJ McConnell is their point guard in the second but like their second unit is like TJ McConnell Edmund Summer Sumner who you have mm-hmm. said nice things about um Shout Doug, out Xavier Doug McDermott which at this point it's like he's a backup guy he's a bench guy TJ Leaf Goga Patazde who they just drafted um so it's kind of like I look at their second unit after Vic comes back because that's how we set up our lineup for mm-hmm. their best one. After Vic comes back, it's like, well, yeah, TJ Warren is going to be the guy that they lean on in that second unit. My big question is, can he continue to shoot the three ball? Because the big thing last year that we all freaked out about, especially like, what was it, game one, game two? I think it was game one for the Suns. Like, we were texting in the, uh, called the Wet Boys, um, text group between you, I, and Dave, and you were like, holy shit, TJ Warren can shoot threes all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Like, can he, consist- up. can he consistently do that now another year, or will it be like, man, when TJ Warren had that year where he was shooting threes at a high clip, he really he really knocked it down that year. Yeah. Can he keep that up? I, I think the fact that he's playing with you know, Brogdon, he's playing with Vic. Mm-hmm. I, I think he's still going to get open looks. And I, I think that, you know, it might not be 42%, but I think he can be consistent uh, throughout the season. And hopefully Does he still average, average four attempts a game? I would be shocked if that goes man? up. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't think the attempts are going to change too much. The thing that I did like, too, uh, was that he was pretty consistent throughout the whole season. 48%, mm-hmm. 43%, 41%, 39%. Took a dip off from 48%, but still, I mean, he was still around 43 uh, to 39% uh, in November, December, and January. So I, you can't be upset at that. Mm-hmm. Um, if he could stay healthy, I would love to see what T.J. Warren could do mm-hmm. uh, for, for this Pacers team. Uh, final guy you want to bring up, who is it? You know, last and guy. And the podcast strong. Last guy. Supernova offense, Terrence Terrence Ross. And the reason why I bring him up is to bring up a conversation that Dave and I had yesterday at dinner. And I know we'll get more into this in teams. I know we'll get more into this in predictions. But because on Superfans, we talked about can the Bulls make the playoffs? Can the Bulls be a playoff team next year? And of course you guys fucking did. We had to do it on Superfans because Sean wasn't there. Um, talk Bears, talk Bulls. 
And one of the conversations we had, and it continued into dinner, is the Orlando Magic. Are they going to be a team that falls off? And by falls off, it's like, oh, they didn't make the playoffs this year. They're like 10th, 9th, instead of 7 or 8. Kind of bringing Terrence Ross into this, how much of it is going to be, because it's not going to be all on him. He's a sixth man. But what are the expectations for Terrence Ross this year for Orlando? Because they were actually like, oh, my God, we're the seventh seed. Like, is Terrence Ross going to get better and this team get better? Or is it going to be, hey, Terrence Ross is doing exactly what he did last year, but this team takes a dip and they're not a playoff team? I don't think that Terrence Ross will define if they're a playoff team or not. It's dependent more on their point guard position. DJ Augustine's their current starting point guard. I don't know if he is that impactful. Dave mentioned Markel. Yeah, he was very good last year, but there is Markel waiting the wings. If Markel shows any flash, I think they go to him in a heartbeat. Can they get consistent minutes out of him, and and can they get get consistent minutes out of DJ Augustine? If they can, that's a great step in them uh, repeating, going back to the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Um, Another aspect of that is how good will Evan Fournier be? Will he take a step off? I think the biggest question mark will be Jonathan Isaac. Can he stay mm-hmm. healthy, and can he take that next step and grow? And if all of those things happen, I think they will lock themselves into a playoff spot. If two of those three things happen, I think that they'll probably be a favorite for a playoff team spot. If you know Isaac's not able to take that step, and DJ Augustine isn't consistent, and Fournier you know stays the same, I, yeah. I, I think that this team could probably miss the playoffs. But I would favor the Magic, and I, I don't think Terrence Ross really will define that. But he will is a guy he shoot that, seven threes a game? Like he did last year. Yeah, I think so. Okay. There's no reason not to. Because, I mean, I look at that, and that's probably, to me, the one bad spot with Terrence Ross is... Shut 38% I know, but I use air quotes for our audio listeners only because it's like, I would prefer... It's like free throw percentage for me. I would prefer to be above 40. Like, 38's not bad. 38 is well above league average. Oh, I know. But I'm saying, like... That's the one thing he could do to get better shooting, than last year. Shooting forties ridiculous. Oh, I know. But I'm I'm talking about in, if I want Terrence Ross. If you want him to be better than last year, that's where he does it. In my sense, he makes more than he, two. That was a career a year for him. I don't think he can get better than he, what he was last year. So if he stays in what he did last year, I think Orlando Magic fans would be extremely happy with his output and his production. If he if he repeated his year last year, I think he, I think he would be absolutely golden with Magic fans, and I'd be fine with that okay. as well. Um, he doesn't need to to bump that up. Uh, I, I think if he stays around that, he'd be fine. Uh, anyways, that's gonna do it for the podcast. Let us know your thoughts of our rankings down below. Uh, I'll probably get shit for the uh, Derrick Rose stuff. Uh, what are you gonna get shit for, Murky? For me, Derrick Rose being too high. Um, so Jared Parker both... being too high, Fred Van Vliet being too low. That's the one I think you're probably like, gonna get the most. I'm gonna shit get on. shit for all my rankings. Yeah. And what do you think Dave's gonna get the most shit uh, for? Derek Rose being too high, Trevor Ra- or Terrence Ross being too high, and maybe for Warren. Uh, maybe maybe a little set. I don't think he gets hate for Sato. Um, I think I might get hate for Sadoransky. Yeah. I'm gonna say if anything. Laker fans come after him. Hmm. Kuzma at 14 seems kind of low. Yeah, I could see that. Um, think Dave probably had the best rankings? 
No, I mean, together we had the best rankings because it's six men. No one had the best rankings. It's six men. We're going to be wrong at something, so let us know what it is down in the comments can't below. Can't wait Anyways. for coaches next week. Oh, coaches. I, I, I get more excited for coaches than six men. I can't wait to defend <laughs> Quinn Snyder again. Uh, I love that dude. That's serial killer. Do you think Steve Kerr will still be? No, Steve Kerr wasn't number one. Brad Stevens was for that playoff performance. You regret that? No, not really. Are you well, fucking kidding okay, me? Okay, I do. Steve Kerr should have been number one. No, Brad it's Steve Greg Popovich. What are you talking about? Where did I have... What are you talking do you, about? Do you remember... Are you doing this again? Do I just scream at you about Popovich again? Do you remember where I had Where have you year? been for the past 22 years? Do you remember where I had Greg Popovich last year? Five. <laughs> no. Do you want Do you want the name... Oh, you want to know the names I had above him last year? Brad Stevens. Jesus. Steve Kerr. My God. Mike D'Antoni. What? Quinn Snyder. Fine. And Eric Spolstra. <laughs> I had Greg Popovich at six last year. I don't want to do coaches. And I had Tom Thibodeau at nine and he got fired. What the <laughs> fuck, dude? How many of the coaches that you had in the top ten made the playoffs? <laughs> um, Stevens, Kerr, D'Antoni, Snyder, Popovich... Nate McMillan, Nate Dwayne McMillan Casey. McMillan was in your top ten? Yeah, he was number seven. What and then the Budenhoser. The only ones that didn't were Tom Thibodeau and Eric Spolstra. I think you have to get negative points for the fact that Tom Thibodeau got fired. <laughs> God. I had Popovich one, Stevens, Kerr, Snyder, D'Antoni. I had Spolstra. Carlisle, so there's two. Gentry, there's three. McMillan. Oh, yeah, so I, you had more playoff coaches than I did because um, you threw in Dwayne Casey there. Yeah. yeah. Dave had... Thibodeau didn't, Gentry didn't, Spolster didn't, David three who didn't. Did you have three who didn't? Yeah, three that time. Okay. But none of it, I didn't have a guy who got yeah. fired. So I don't say, know I'll if I'm going to have victory. Greg Popovich as low as I did last year. I think that was basically coming off the Kawhi stuff I was upset about. I think that's why. I think I was in Kawhi's camp more than... Uh, Greg Popovich's camp. More of like the, you handled the Kawhi situation wrong. I think that's why I had him so low. And you know Ricky loves to die on his molehills. I'll let make us mountains know, out of him, Let too. us know what you think about six-man rankings. And we have coaches next week for uh, Ricky Woodmer. I, I guess I have to thank you, although you don't know <laughs> Greg Popovich's fucking value. Um, and and, and uh, I got to thank you guys for watching and uh, Dave Oster for uh, participating in our rankings list as well. We'll see him next week. I will also probably get some— uh, That's why I did it. What? Because Kerr and Popovich were tied— and I wanted Kerr and the cumulative mm. to be above. So Popovich was at 84. Kerr was at 85. That's why it did it. And do you know who Popovich's re representative for six-man rankings was? Fucking mm. Rudy Gay, man. Yes. Uh, that's going to do it for six-man rankings. Shout out Rudy Gay. Shout out Dave. Shout out Ricky. Shout out me. And shout out to the patrons uh, at patreon.com slash myself podcast. And everybody listening and watching uh, to this podcast, uh, whether on Block Talk Radio, uh, iTunes or YouTube. Uh, thank you very much for uh, participating, helping, and supporting the channel. Uh, hopefully you love it too, but at least if you're watching, uh, we, we thank you very much for that. So uh, thank you very much, and we will see you next week for Coaches. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.